My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 252, it's NXT update. And before we start, though, let's do the alternate intro. And I think it's going to be a long, long time till Touchdown brings you round again to find... I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. A rocket man burning out his fuse up here alone. And of course, that was the alternate intro from Elton John. Dan, how are you this week? You're right. I am doing well, James. What about yourself? I notice you have a walking stick yes. next to you. Yeah, I have been in the wars. I mean, well, I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, go. Were you st- kicked by Orange Cassidy? I was not kicked by Orange Cassidy, or indeed flipped by Joey Ryan. Uh, I, I'm a hero, Dan. Really, and that's that's the story of me. I saved someone's life this week, and in the process injured myself but sometimes you have to be the hero that they need rather than the hero that they want and uh, this time I, I did pay the price but hopefully I'll be uh, back on my feet before too long but I can see your genuine concern about it and uh, I appreciate it and of course all the cards and the well wishes that I've got throughout the week as well as you can see in the WNR headquarters but uh, it's not been a bad week in wrestling there's been a couple of great moments uh, let's just start off then with uh, Monday night and it was Raw yes NXT took full advantage and launched a full scale invasion coming out on top in every encounter in one of the most exciting smackdowns in recent memory well the LN Black brand were promising more of the same on Monday night but with a full Raw roster back and ready would they have the same success well, here are six things we learned from that. Well, number one, Brock Lesnar is here, but Rey Mysterio is ready for him, and now has a title match at Survivor Series. Like last Friday's SmackDown, this week's Raw was mainly about the threat from NXT to the established main roster, but we'll get more on that later. And like last Friday's SmackDown, all that was put to one side at the start to make way for the Brock Lesnar show. Well, Brock and Paul showed up on the SmackDown to say, I've quit, and came over to Raw to say, we're here. And here they are. Well, despite being big and bad enough to ignore most slights, Rey Mysterio really seems to have gotten under Lesnar's skin, and he's on the hunt to gain vengeance. Well, Brock stormed out, tossing aside anyone who got in his way, including announcer Dio Madden, before Rey surprised him with a... Brock wants to demolish Rey. He has to put the W Championship on the line at Survivor Series. Well, Rey has just about proved he can hang with Brock, but he almost always has an equaliser or three, Cain Velasquez, his son... 
Dominic, a steel chair or a bit of pipe? Well, can he really do it one-on-one at Survivor Series or can he get any help without suffering a disqualification? Well, at this stage, we'll take him lasting longer than Kofi Kingston managed. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. Number two. Two. NXT continues its free Survivor Series invasion of the main roster, but with diminishing returns. Well, on Friday night, with SmackDown's numbers diminished, NXT took first, second, third, and fourth blood in a clean sweep of victories over the blue brand. But forewarned is forearmed for all, and things didn't go entirely yellow and black last night. Well, Triple H now in NXT daddy mode, came out and gave Seth Rollins an offer that he perhaps could refuse, but not without consequences, but would certainly give serious thought, but more on that later. Shania Basil stormed into Becky Lynch's one-on-one interview and made it clear she's no Ronda Rousey. She expects to beat both Bailey and Bex in a triple threat match at Survivor Series. And the Undisputed Era, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee, Pete Dunne and Tommaso Ciampa popped up to show NXT absolutely has the talent to hang with its so-called bigger brothers. But with the shock value gone and much less in the way of one-on-one battles, this didn't have the same wow factor as Friday night. Well, there are eight episodes of Raw, SmackDown and NXT left between now and Survivor Series. Well, with the groundwork already laid, the WWE will have to be very smart in how it continues to build up the three-way battle at the end of November. Well, number three, Shania Baszler versus Becky Lynch versus Bayley is set for Survivor Series. One battle line already firmly drawn is the war of the women's champions. Well, after Shania Baszler made a physical statement against Bailey and Sasha Banks and Nikki Cross on Friday, she made a more verbal but no less powerful one to Becky Lynch on Raw. Well, Shayna interrupted Bex's Charlie Caruso with a simple message. I'm not Ronda Rousey and I'm more than ready for you. Of all the upcoming Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT battles, this one absolutely looks like the most interesting one. Well, yes, Bailey tweeted, So, you both are just going to... Keep an eye on Bailey. Just remember that I am the only one in this match who has held all three titles on all three bands. See you at Survivor Series or sooner. Well, number four, the Kabuki Warriors take a serious loss to Charlotte Flair and Natalia. Well, Charlotte Flair and Natalia are no chumps. Between them, they have 12 top-tier main roster singles championships. Flair has 10 of them. <laughs> and enough generational and genetic talent for a whole locker room. To be fair, you could put Charlotte with anybody and really have that kind of, do you know what I mean? You could say that with the, even Carmella. You'd be like, 12 championships between them. Well, between Charlotte Flair and Drew McIntyre, they've got 10 championships between them. <laughs> well, they've only been, long, uh, only been together as long as a team for five minutes or so. It was something of a surprise to see them overcome the Kabuki Warriors. We've never been of the belief that top-tier talent can't lose or that champions should never lose a non-title match. Yeah, sometimes you have an off day, even if the champ, there's no, no disgrace to loss, take some serious competition in the likes of Flair and Natty. Well, but it's still a big momentum-breaking loss for the Bukaki Warriors to take, given the strong run they were on. Yeah, we have to assume now that Charlotte Talley will demand and receive the title match before too long, and perhaps this is leading to a multi-team cross-brand match at Survivor Series. But whatever happens, Oscar and Kari Sane can't afford to lose many more matches to anyone and still expect to be WWE Women's Tag Team Champions much longer. Number five, the Viking Raiders are still struggling to convince his Raw Tag Team Champions and the case for the title unification seems stronger than ever. I mean, we've been fans of the Viking Raiders ever since their War Machine days on the Indies and through their War Raiders dominance in NXT. 
Well, we were thrown by their Viking experience debut on the main roster, but still thought they could turn it around as they became the Viking Raiders and slowly clawed their way to the championship. Yeah, but off the back of a loss to the OC in Saudi Arabia, albeit in a nine-tag team match, that doesn't really count for much, they're back to beating up local boys rather than stomping on the actual colleagues and rivals. Well, bad news for Czech's notes, the East Hampton Polo boys, but good news for every other tag team in the locker room who surely feel less, not more, intimidated than either, dodge a challenge from them and look to the regional talent pool instead. The authors of pain must be licking their lips backstage, waiting for a chance to frame what has sadly become a paper champions. The OC must obviously fancy their chances too, and hell, why not the Street Profits as well? And in truth, it feels like at times there isn't enough talent already to keep two tag team divisions alive. Yeah, I mean, for all our piss and the moan about the wildcard rule and soft split between the brands prior to the most recent draft, there's an increasingly strong case for unifying the Raw tag team and SmackDown tag team champions and have more fluidity in that division. Number six, Seth Rollins misses out on the NXT title and a chance for a total reboot. So Daddy Tripp's came to his old charge, Seth Rollins, and invited him to return to the nest. Yeah, with NXT rubbing shoulders with Raw and SmackDown, the likes of Finn Balor making a new home there, it absolutely wouldn't be seen as a demotion it once was. But unlike Finn, Seth has only just lost his top-tier championship, so he wasn't likely to pop down straight away with his tail between his legs. So he had a solution that would please everyone. He'd return to NXT, but only as champ. Seth was, of course, the very first NXT champion, beating Jinder Mahal, way back in the mid-2012 and holding on to the belt for a third of a year before Big E Langston. So a main event was set, Seth Rollins versus Adam Cole with the NXT champ fresh off a massive win of Daniel Bryan on Friday night. This time though, there was no real finish as the Undisputed Era got involved to give Seth a DQ win, but no title. Well, that ended in a brawl for all the best of Raw and the NXT going out as we faded to black, teasing yet more matchups when Survive Series comes around. For now then, Seth is all about Monday Night Rollins, even with Brock and Ray being the ones squabbling over the Red Brands title. Yeah, so that was... I mean, what are your thoughts on Raw this week? It wasn't too bad, was it? You know? I thought it has actually been probably one of the best ones it has been in a long while. It's uh, it's good to see the NXT brands kind of making their presence felt, even if it is only going to be up until Survivor Series, and then it's probably going to go back to its own way. But, you know, I'd like to see... It go the other way as well, you know, WWE going on to NXT and kind of doing a bit more of that over time. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And like I said, there is so much wrestling on at the moment as well with Raw. We're getting, of course, getting to SmackDown a little bit. But now we switch attention to AEW and it's a tag team, uh, tag team finals for five. Now, we talk about the WWE Network a lot. Of course, in America, people will be able to get this normal television. So from now on to this next bit that we do, until we do NXT UK, everything will be available on a Skybox. Now, nobody hasn't got satellite TV, but this is available also on catch-up as well. ITV cannot show for legal reasons it live because it takes Ofcom rules out for the amount of adverts shown. That is the only reason and nothing else by it. It's available on the Hub the very next day. You can download it off your Skybox, which I've done, or we record an episode as well. It's on ITV4s uh, on Friday night. So it's very accessible. We've been watching AEW for a while, and now we're actually going to have a proper match. And we should say there's some huge news about next week's episode as well, Dan, as well, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, well, as of recording, it is tonight. We've got full yeah. gear. Um, so, you know, it's their first kind of pay-per-view since... Being basically on TNT, and for the first time ever, we will officially bring it to you 
on the Dovinar podcast. We have actually done predictions today. We've as well. done predictions as well. We've uh, it's it's not going to count in the WWE NXT no. or uh, other pay per views. It's going to count in the bonus table. Yeah. So you know we get same as usual one point whoever wins the overall predictions and then an extra point if we do get um, a full house as well. So it's kind of two points on the line. But one point certainly for the winner. Yeah, and I feel with AEW, something that they've done is definitely pushed tag team wrestling to the forefront as well. It's been featured quite heavily on their programs. And of course, NXT UK, like, we're going to have a tag team title match so we can compare the two as well. The tag team tournament on AEW has been very, very exciting. We had a shock young Bucks getting eliminated in the very first round. Of course, uh, Christopher Daniels getting taken out by the Lucha Bros. But uh, Scorpio Sky manages to take a place and still get through past the Dark Order, whereas the Lucha Bros have been here at the uh, defeated private party, who have impressed as well. And we start off with Pentagon and Kazarian in there. Of course, Kazarian, someone from Impact Wrestling, who's been around for a very long time. And of course, people might recognise Lucha Bros from Impact. They've been around uh, a little while in America now. That Aubrey Edwards is a funny-looking cat. <laughs> but Aubrey Edwards, we should say, is the referee here as well. Yeah, she's funny looking though. She's quite funny looking from a young classic. The Lucha Bros have really impressed me with their tag team action as Fenix and Pentagon get taken out by Scorpio Sky. Young Fenix is there with a 619. And Pentagon with a backstab and now catches Kazarian. But listen quite closely to the amount of commentary Jim Ross does put in. Because <laughs> it is comical. He just literally comes out with the odd wrestling cliche line like every so often well we've got Tony Schiavone Excalibur and of course JR doing the commentary and AEW's really hit the ground running that was Pentagon in there with Kazarian Luke Rose had a hellacious ladder match with the Young Bucks at AEW's last pay-per-view looking to win the tag team titles here tonight but Scorpio Sky with a cut off well the referee has kind of no control over this match it's it's kind of been a thing with AEW matches that they let a lot slide well, especially tag team. I mean, if there's a, definitely not a five count going on, is there? As uh, Pentagon takes out Sky. It's more kind of Lucha Libre style. As soon as you get in the ring, you're kind of a legal man. But, you know, it is kind of irritating. Um, and, again, like, they do... Uh, that was very impressive. <laughs> running across the ropes <laughs> like a top rope to a kick to the head. Well, Pentagon trying to roll up uh, Kazarian, but he managed to kick out. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I was looking at these because they do, like, a weekly power ranking thing on... AEW, and even though someone's got a better win-loss record than another person because the person above them pinned the champion during a tag team match or something, they're a higher ranking than the one below them. Yeah, they officially announced the ranking, so, and they did say that wins and losses would matter, and we've seen it in this uh, tag team tournament as well. And it's, Like I said, there's little things that they need to kind of work out, but it's impressive by Kazarian there, double clothesline taking out Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros, now hearing that name, it makes me think of uh, Lucha House Party ripoff. Yeah, and and that's why Lucha House Party was kind of created, to try and uh, take advantage of this. I mean, Lucha Bros are finally getting kind of massive exposure, but they've been very successful kind of around the world. And young Fenix in the ring right now is one of these guys who's got such a massive future ahead of him. And I think it's exciting times. Some of the shit you see in it is stuff that you just don't see. Like, even we see with Fenix running across the ropes, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I just saw this. Uh, there was a pin attempt. And during the pin attempt... Who's that, Mike, by there? Pentagon. Pentagon ran in to save Phoenix. He pulled him up from the cover, so Pentagon kicked Phoenix in the back of the head. You know, it's not something that you normally see. You normally see, like, the 
person getting a pin attempt getting kicked. Right down, Scorpio Sky now with a kick to. Oh my God, Phoenix, who's Kazarian folds him inside out with a German. Managed to get the shoulder up at two. Two. And you got to think the Lucha Bros are the favourites in this tag team match. And the difference between um, Lucha House Party and these, these are actually brothers as well. So that does help. <laughs> well, you know, their name is justified then. And look at that beautiful air by Phoenix. Dodging Scorpio Sky. Taking out Kazarian. A lovely arm drag takedown. And that is just so incredible. You don't see that anywhere else. Uh, Scorpio Sky trying to get sent into the steps. Lands on it but walks straight into a super kick. Well, that kick missed. But that one didn't. Kick straight to the back of the leg. Now again, you know, it's like, look, all this stuff going on on the outside. Yet there's no control over it. But incredible double team there. Kazarian on top of Pentagon. Felix over the top. Take him out with a leg drop. I suppose we've got to give somebody a break because, you know, we want tag team champions here tonight no matter, you know, what. Oh, yeah, I completely understand that. But it's just, you know, there's got to be some kind of order. Let's hope it's not the Dark Order. That's not been the greatest thing in AEW recently. Or a new world. The crowd chart, and this is awesome, as now it looks like Lucha Brothers got control of Kazarian. Frankie's been there and done that multiple time champion. Uh, Kazarian's backed up into the uh, Lucha Brothers corner, getting worked over by both of them. Pentagon Jr. just strutting around the ring as Phoenix goes and takes out Scorpio Sky, and then thrown into Barricade. My head first now, Kazarian's got no one to tag. Really? Wooing? I'm a bit past. I suppose all the wooers have retired. The woo is open? <laughs> the woo is open. Unless it's Zack Ryder. Who... Lucha Brothers have just cut this ring off perfectly. Got Kazarian right where they want him. Fantastic tag team wrestling. And the crowd definitely behind us 100%. Scorpio Sky trying to get involved to help save his tag team partner, but thus far, unsuccessful. But the amount SCU are getting beaten down, you've got to kind of think that they're going to be the winners. Well, they started off strong, didn't they? But they got cut off. It would be a huge upset, but we have seen upsets in this tournament before as well. Absolutely. And I think that would be good if SU can pull out a victory, be a team many people didn't think were, were, weren't favourites at all heading into this. Lucha Brothers might not even need the titles because they're so kind of evolved already as a tag team, already battled with the Young Bucks. And then you're building a shit hot tag team division because you've got like three or four legitimate challenges to a, a, a title. Rather than beating the East Longford Polo Boys or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and I suppose there is that point. <laughs> and Kazarian now trying to fight back. But wouldn't you say that on the whole, WWE has got the better tag team brand? No, I'll say AEW has at the moment. So you're going, I mean, like everything included in WWE. So you've got Authors of Pain, Viking Raiders, The Revival, The OC. Uh, Danny Birch and only Lorkin, you know that's just five spouted. Yeah, there. I would say a, I would say AEW's got at least five teams. That, I mean, since we've seen the teams in the tag team tournament, like Jurassic Express, Dash Mountain, Imperium. Um, who's that fucking? Exactly, but I mean, there's there's teams in a. I think AEW at the moment's best tag team division. I think at the at this moment, in don't get me wrong, there might be more, but WWE don't use it as well. Oh no, I'm not saying like the way they're being used. Yeah, they're getting treated a lot better in AEW. But it's even like best friends. I mean, we didn't even know them before, you know what I mean? And now we see them hugging each other in AEW and thinking, oh, actually, there's a tag team match that might go for a little bit far. Private Party kind of jumped out of nowhere. A bit like Scorpio Sky did there. And then got drop kicked out of nowhere. And now Kazarian trying to get to the top. <laughs> trying to have a run off the apron. Got his leg caught over the top rope, <laughs> fell head first onto the wafer thin mat below. How thin are those mats? Well, actually, James, they're a lot thinner than the WWE ones, so they're, <laughs> so they're 
half of a wafer thin. Wow. <coughs> and uh, finally, SCU managed to get into the ring. Scaring up to a, an assisted DDT. Tilt a well DDT. Now it's beautiful by Scorpio Sky. Goes two. for the cover. No, just a two count. Two. Now look to end things now. Scorpio Sky's got Felix up. The goal. The Pentagon coming in to save it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Second rope. Fucking Canadian destroyer. <laughs> and a cutter. <laughs> and that's it now. Felix into the cover. No, you see, if it was a Randy Orton one, it would have been free, but he just doesn't put enough mustard on it. His body not tight and or ripped <laughs> enough. Now Felix now can look, try and finish off Scorpio Sky, realises. For a ripcord clothesline, but gets ducked hey. and a double cross body. You haven't seen a double tag team move for uh, a double move for a while like that. Aubrey Edwards nearly getting her head kicked off then, but luckily enough, they jumped over her. Uh-oh. Kazarian getting powerbombed through a table. Yeah, SEU have definitely won this. Oh, my God. Kazarian down. Maybe out. A cable in his mouth. Well, holy shit. Fair enough. Scorpio Sky having to fight off both the Lucha brothers now. Well, he fought with one shoe on a couple of weeks ago. Surely now. Don't call me Shirley. He can't fight two on one. And look at this. Assisted splash. But no, just a two count. Two. Well, Felix must have been at least 15 foot in the air. At least 25 foot up. Off his brother's shoulders. You say they're brothers, but I don't think they look similar. <laughs> they're both... Oh, I see what you're saying there. And now... Pentagon trying to pick up Scorpio. Roll him up. Two. Three. three. I told you, SCU have pulled out a shock victory. They've become AEW's first... Tag team champions, Dan. What are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was uh, it was quite an entertaining match. I think it was too spotty. You know, there's far too many spots going through the match, um, but the consistency was good. You know, they weren't sat around waiting for spots for a while. I am getting rather irritated by the lack of um, officials' kind of input and taking control of the match, and you know kind of keeping it down to two people in the ring. I know it would have taken away from the tag team spots and that, but still, you know, you've got to kind of have some order. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. What I really like about it is the storytelling element of the, the tournament that started, Emily Rose and the Young Bucks would be the final. But instead, we saw some upsets and some shocks. And Scorpio Sky wasn't even in the tournament initially. He had picked Christopher Daniels to take his place, got injured by the Lucha Bros, and now has won it kind of... Not single-handedly, with the help of Kazarian, but they're obviously trying to build him up. And the way the Lucha Bros lost, the fact is kind of roll-up victory, they can still come back, and it builds another tag team. And this is what you should need to do, like you said, to have four or five teams that can legitimately have a position on them, and that's what you get with um, SCU. I think it's a really good main event for AEW. Yeah, I see that point in things, and uh, it was an entertaining match. It's... I don't know, there was... There was just some ink to it. Don't worry. Yeah. We're, that's what, Dan, if we agreed with each other, it would always be boring, wouldn't it? So and that's what we're going to do. And the, the main thing that we want to start doing again is having a bit more fun on the podcast as well. Uh, but we're going to look at the next episode because one well, of the next episode has got one of my favourite moments in it. We look at episode six with you. And Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor accompany Trent to the ring for the night's opening match against Pac, who was looking to send a message to Hangman Page ahead of their contest Saturday night. In Baltimore. Trent controlled early, unloading on the bastard with a series of chops that stunned the hill and draping, and a draping Northern Light suplex for a near fall. 
The fight spilled to the floor though and Pac sent his opponent into the guardrail to c- create separation and build momentum for himself. As the assaulted Trent repeatedly sent him into the guardrail and slamming in the back of his head into the entrance ramp. As Trent recovered, Pac launched himself over the top rope, wiping out his opponent with a pescado. Every time Trent mounted some sort of offence, Pac cut him off. With Trent deposited on the floor, Cassidy entered the ring and nonchalantly stared down the hill. It's one of my favourite moments. Listen to the crowd as well. They know Orange Cassidy is a star and he's staring down Pack and Cassidy doesn't fear Pack. He's not scared of the man. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh Jesus! He's kicking Pack, he's killing him down! Oh, oh! You're just as bad as these fucking morons in the <laughs> crowd. I love Orange Cassidy! Buying into it. Pack took him out, Pack. You are a son of a bitch. That is not fair. That's horrible. Poor Orange Cassidy. Eh? He doesn't deserve that. That's one of my favourite moments. Vicious kicks of Orange Cassidy. Why can't you just have a bit of fun wrestling? Why is that not fun? Why is that not entertaining? Because uh, that's not something that I find entertaining. It's it's just being moronic for the sake of being moronic. It's, it's just, no. It's one of my favourite moments. I love it. Listen to the crowd as well. The crowd got absolutely crazy. Yeah, just like you. Bunch of morons. <laughs> See, and all this crowd are marks for themselves. <laughs> no, they're, they're marks for Orange Cassidy, who's entertaining. And Neville's uh, Pax kicks over so hard it knocked the sunglasses off his head. Uh, well, a busted would survive a sickening incident the DDT, dropped Trent with a brain bust on the floor, and let's keep the black arrow for what should have been a decisive pinfall. He said a referee botch left Pack to apply the brutalizer for the submission win. Yeah, what the fuck happened there? I'm not that sure. Because the, the commentators called like that he managed to kick out. Uh. But he really didn't. And that <laughs> kind of takes away from the Black Arrow. And, yeah, you know, nonetheless, Pat got the win anyway. Well, another breakout performance by Trent. Well, this was so much more competitive than it should have been. On the surface, it looked like a match Pat would have dominated en route to his match with Paige. Instead, he won the contest, but did so only after bumping and selling for Trent in a way to put the tag team specialist over as a threat to beat him. Well, the match was red hot to the point the referee botch still stood out, but was not enough to eclipse everything the performers accomplished. It may be seen if Trent will get a chance to break through and become a star in his own right, or was he destined to be a tag team attraction? He'd been a fair above average since the Dynamite era of AEW began in October. Well, back from commercial, Cody Rhodes makes his entrance. Well, Tony Schiavone, welcome... Can I just stop you there (coughs) and say, Tony, I know you listen to this podcast... But please, mate, you look really fucking moronic with a diamond earring in your fucking ear. You're in your 50s slash 60s. You're too old to be wearing that shit, mate. Just just don't, yeah? You know, a plain stud, fair enough. A little hoop, yeah, fair enough. But not a fucking diamond stud in your ear. You look like a pillock. And that shirt that you wear with the AEW jacket, it's it, it clashes the colour. You know, and... Just go grey gracefully, man. You're like Eric Bischoff. You know, you're going to get your head shaved and it's going to be all fucking grey underneath. Just don't. Just just let your hair grow out grey gracefully. Please, for the love of God, Tony, you're an old man. Start. And get out of Cody Rhodes' ass, by the way. I do like the goat, you know. I think the goat is quite cool. Uh, well, anyway, back from commercial after Dan's rant, Cody Rhodes makes his entrance and Tony Schiavone welcomes him to the ring. Cody begins saying he's not surprised how blunt the arrival of the inner circle's been, or perhaps just strategic, even to me to say, as they're taking a scalpel to the elite. 
but he'd been looking for a card they could match up against themselves, and the inner circle found them. On Saturday, he finds himself on the marquee wrestling the champion, the champion, Chris Jericho. He and Tony have spoken about it, but first he wants to rattle off a few names. Eddie Graham, Cowboy Bill Watts, and the American Dream, Dusty Rose, just to get a cheer from the crowd. All of them were titans in our business, bell to bell, and at the box office, and those memories reverberate in our hearts. But for the cold and sterile historians of our business, there's controversy because they weren't just competitors, they were management. Woody, and he spent the last year shouting to the rooftops about how proud he is of AEW, and this is Ellis Island from Pro Wrestling Freedom. So when he hears the same criticism attached to his name for being management and being in a title match, he can't not hear it. So with that said, he's announced that it, then you deserve it, chance for out across the crowd, and he pauses in a minute. If he loses, he says he'll never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Well, Jericho's taken to call him an entitled millennial, but he's never read about Y2J's upbringing being so hard as a son of an upper-class hockey player. It's almost like they share the same silver spoon, you stupid dick. He talks about Chris dismissing every accomplishment he's ever made, but a dirty secret is that Jericho needs this generation more than this generation needs him. Well, this isn't about his dad. It's not about the dead. It's about the living. His mum, his sister, his wife. The 14 years it took him to go from undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. He beats Jericho and becomes world champion. He should let his boys know the ground is rumbling because the elite are coming and they're going to eat the inner circle alive. And so we go to break. Well, this was Cody at his best. Called upon to set a pay-per-view main event, he turned the intensity level up to 11 and delivered a type of passion and motion necessary to convince the young convinced to tune in to this Saturday to watch his championship opportunity. Now, again, you know, I, I didn't think there was anything overspecked about it. Call me controversial. Well, you are, because even The Rock praised it. The Rock, one of the greatest promo men in the business, is praising Cody Rhodes. But what 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 did you why did you think it wasn't well, that special? I don't know because you know I watched it about an hour before I came over to see you. I was sat there watching uh, catching up on AEW, and I don't know. I feel it was a good promo, but it wasn't anything world breaking. You know, it's a promo that's easily going to be forgotten about in two weeks' time. Well, for me, his ability to cut the promos from day one of AEW, what set Cody apart from the other wrestlers who share the roster with him. He knows what to say, when to say it, and exactly which nerves to touch to get the desired reaction. For me, he hit this one out of the park. For me, meh. Next match is Private Party versus Dark Order. Well, with the new AEW Tag Team Champions, SCU, watching from the commentary position, Private Party battle Dark Order for the rights to challenge them and Lucha the Bros for the gold Saturday at full gear. Well, the Hills maintain control after commercial working over the smaller Cassidy in an attempt to cash the ticket to Baltimore. The Dark Order hit a cannonball slash 450 splash combination to their opponents but still could not keep Private Party down for the win. A Hurricane Rana by Quen sent Grayson and Uno into each other and the Babyfaces delivered the silly string to eliminate Uno from the equation. And Jun and Juice followed, and Private Party picked up the big win, a big win for a big pop. So, sorry, just, they've got two moves. One of them's called the silly string. Yes. And the other one is called Jin and Juice. Yes, because because uh, it's party. They're parties, aren't they? So what they do, what they do at parties, they have silly string and they have... Gin and juice. Uh, I, I like moves to be called more than that than the kind of 
executioner or stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like kind of more the, the collider. You know, it's like this is just more fun. Deal with it. We're having fun, Dan. God, we're having fun. <laughs> well, again, you know, I like to be the controversial side to your mark. Have right? you got any negativity about this match? It wasn't a bad match. Um, again, you know, it is quite a spotty kind of thing. I think that's a, it's kind of a thing with these tag team matches. When uh, when they're going, you know, when they're established tag teams like Private Party and Dark Order, they're, they're all spotty and, they're you know, they're kind of one spot, two spot, three, you know, they're, they're just doing all their their moves like that. And, you know, I feel it's going to be something that's going to get old quicker than it should do. Went over. Carry on. Well, this probably went a little longer than necessary. Oh, would you stop being so negative about it? <laughs> As it became late, but it was still a hotly competitive it's match. Yeah, I told you it was a good match. Uh, up next, Rio and Shana versus Jamie Hayter and Emi Sakura. Well, AEW Women's Champion Rio Riho. Is it Riho? AEW Women's Champion Riho teamed with Shanna this week, just days before a title defence against Emi Sakura, who teamed with Jamie Hayter to compete the Hill Tandem. Champion top contender started the match with a preview of what fans can expect from the preview. Well, Riho endured a beating, out, uh, beating but finally fought free of Hayter's oppressive offence and made it to tag Shanna. The Hills paired off on the opponent, Hayter dropping over a basement knee to the face. A falcon arrow followed, but Shanna continued to kick out. Ah. Riho entered, re-entered the match and again paired off with Sakura. She nearly defeated her rival with a roll-up, but it was Shakura who picked up the win with a Le Magist cradle. For this was another match that ran a tad longer than it should have. But that said, it still accomplished two important things. Two. It built some heat for the Rio-Sakura match at full gear while giving Hater and Shana some time to shine. Up next, we have Brandon Cutler versus Sean Tian. Spears. Yeah, the chairman, Sean Spears, returned to Dynamite this week, squaring off with Brandon Cutler in singles competition. The commentary team reminded fans of the vicious vile assault on Joey Janela by Spears, in which he attempted to pull out the bad boy's tongue. It was Cutler who started early, even though frustrating Spears and leave him lying on the arena floor. Well, Spears recovered and stunned Cutler with a nasty chop, only to eat a series of kicks that left him on the defensive once again. Well, Spears fended off the late surge and dropped Cutler with a Death Valley driver for the pinfall. After the match, the chairman sought to continue his assault, but Janela made the save. Allegedly, Tully Blanchard advised Spears about seeking the fight, backing him up the ramp. Well, there was not much to the match, but it was nice to see focus on the wealth of talent outside the main event scene. This was a suitable, effective segment that used footage from AEW Dark to set up a strong post-match from Janela and potentially another pay-per-view match. Yeah, and this has definitely been added to the pay-per-view now. And then we get on to our main event, which is Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Let's just get on to Kenny Omega for a, for a brief while. I, I actually looked on uh, Twitter the other day and came across a video of Kenny Omega wrestling... A seven-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> all right. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, is that legal? Again, I, I, I don't know. It was it was a weird match. Let's just leave it there. And how did you get onto that? Were you Googling Kenny Omega or were you Googling no, seven-year-old girl? No, no, I, was, well, I was actually just going through my Twitter timeline and it came up and it said like to all the Kenny Omega haters, just remember that he once wrestled a young girl in China. 
Well, Koto Ibushi won your favourites is Wrestle Blow Up Doll. So, I mean, you know, apples and oranges, really, isn't it? Let's get back onto the main event. At the inner circles, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara sought to continue their reign of terror and dominance in AEW as they battled the elites Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page in a momental tag team main event. Well, Omega overwhelmed and outclassed Guevara early, teeing off on the least experienced of the competitors in the match. Back from commercial, Page received a hot tag, and he's on fire, baby. And he unloaded on the competition, including the same jerk that defeated him to end his championship aspirations back at All Out. Well, the action broke down, and Jericho earned the win for his team with the Judas effect to Page. And Cody made the save as the inner circles Jericho, Guevara, and Jack Hager beat on Page. American Nightmare wanted nothing more than to get his hands on the man who would challenge for the top prize in the company. But Jericho's hightailing it up the ramp now, and I think he's got away with one. And wait a minute, MGF's there with a chair to Jake Hager. And one for Jericho as well as he throws Jericho back in the ring to the hands of Cody Rhodes. And now Cody's got Jericho. Crossroads, is it still called that? It is Crossroads, and this is Cody's career, because he knows if he hits that at full gear, he'll be AEW champion. And the fans shout Cody as he gets the gold in his hands. And Cody holds the title aloft. Oh, but my hang on God. a minute. Moxley is walking down towards ringside with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. And I think he's only got eyes for one man, and that is Kenny Omega. Well, Kenny Omega's not backing down. Oh, and Jericho attacking Cody from behind. Now Greg's dragged Cody out of the ring to the hands of Jake Hager. MJF goes around to assist him, and Kenny Omega kind of hightails it out there. And Kenny Omega's gone underneath the ring, and he's got the broom wrapped in barbed wire. Okay. And <laughs> we've seen this the other week. We're going to have a duel, and now we're finally going to have it. Oh, and Santana on Ortiz just beating down both Moxley and Omega. Oh, now they've got the barbed wire. This doesn't look good. Until the Young Bucks come running down to the ring with their ridiculous fucking trousers. Oh, you got to love it. Super kick party sending the former LAX outside. As they go diving with a couple of dual suicide dives. Well, these, two, these, these four men will face off at full gear as well. Tag team action. And the fans shot at AEW. What build this is to the pay-per-view? Now, uh, referees coming out here. Officials. Oh, my God. Now, looking to finish off at Jackson. They're going to try and power bomb. No, Omega saving his, his team member. A running knee. And Moxley with 30 deeds. And then Moxley just planted Ortiz. He goes straight back after Moxley. after Omega. As they're fighting their way back to backstage. And now they're all brawling around the stage area. Hager's there. And now Nick Jackson's climbing up to the top of the stage. <laughs> and again, I hate to say it, but it's, it is an entertaining moment. But a massive brawl turns into a spot fest. Yeah, but what brilliant spot that was diving off it the top of the cage. It was a good spot, but everything seems to be a spot fest in here. But to get the crowd to chant AEW, to go holy shit, to get excited for the pay-per-view, there's nothing more they could have done tonight with, with this. What a way to get everybody on there who's going to be on the pay-per-view again but it is it seems like and i hate to say it like it's getting more staged than wb is well uh, for me AEW needs to put an emphatic exclamation point in a month-long build to full gear and it did just that bringing together the top stars and stories in the world out of control brawl the crowd edit up and fans got a taste of the chaos that awaits in baltimore and the result was a damn fun finale to an episode that showed great urgency 
Well, Page eating another pin is curious booking, as it's only a matter of time before fans start seeing him as the weak link in the elite. With that said, it was better than booking Omega to ahead of his match with Moxley. Well, Jericho looks unbeatable, retaining an undefeated record in AEW, while Cody looks like a fiery babyface hellbent on relieving him of the unbeaten streak and the world title. And then there is MJF, who continues to hang around just enough to suggest he will play a significant role in Saturday's title bout. Oh, so that is AEW. But it is enjoyable, Dan. You've got to admit that. It is enjoyable, but it is, I think, the fact that it's just too spotty all the time from it. I'm absolutely loving AEW at the moment, and that's what I like. It's it's partial. I know I'm liking it too much, uh, and it's good to kind of try and get the in-between there. But AEW's been hitting out the park. I cannot wait for full gear next uh, week where we bring it to you in its entirety. It should be a great show. Out of every match at full gear, what one are you looking forward to the most, do you reckon? I think Cody and Jericho, mainly for the fact that it's not going to be a tag team match and it's not going to be all spotty. The fact is how they've built it up this past month as well. It's been fantastic, hasn't it? You know? They have built it up and the mainly interesting thing is is how it's going to play out. Yeah. You know, the kind of ending sequence of it as opposed to the match itself. Yeah, rather than having the, the, just the kind of two guys put in there as like kind of next number contender, Cody's kind of risen to this. The video packages that they've had as well, one with Cody... Uh, getting ready and talk about his family, and then Jericho fantastically mocking it as well. We've reposted that on the um, the Twitter page as well. Uh, you can see that there. It's a complete kind of mock of it, but it's not being done in professional wrestling now, and it just made me laugh so much. And that's what the kind of Jericho's arrogance going into Cody. But I just think everything should be great, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, like I say, full gear. But now we go back to the world of WWE, and Dan, it's time for your SmackDown summary. King Corbin kicks off SmackDown, much to everyone's pleasure. Uh, he he addressed his opponent in the night's main event, Roman Reigns. He trash-talked on the big dog, mocked his back, mocked his bark, and dared him to bring his small testicles to the ring. Reigns did not respond, and Corbin vowed to beat him later in the show. And let's not forget we are in Manchester, England, England. We are indeed, yes. And uh, it was a bit of a pointless promo setting up a main event that we already going to happen. So this accomplished. That's right, James. Absolutely fuck all. Yep, again, another another promo to start for WWE programming. That goes nowhere. Yes, indeed. Well, we have the SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the line. It is the New Day taking on the champions, The Revival. New Day. New Day. And, of course, Kofi Kingston and Big E got the victory. So, you know, Manchester do actually get everything. It was quite a lacklustre match, but last year they got... Was it last year? Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, they got Styles beating Jinder Mayhew in a, in a match to get the WWE Championship. This time, they get the uh, Tag Team Championship. Yeah, and become five-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions in the process Five or six. They've won loads of tag team titles now. Yes, well, up next we get a, another great match. We get Shorty G and Ali versus Cesaro and Shin Nakamura. Yeah. At least the matches in AEW mean something. There's the, what's that match mean on SmackDown? It's nothing. It's a throwaway. It is a throwaway, yes. Well, it is uh, Cesaro in the match, so, you know, we can't complain about that. But late in the match, Daniel Bryan watched from the entrance ramp as Cesaro shoved Ali from the top rope. Nakamura delivered the King Shasha! And the Hills picked up the win, much to the delight of Sami Zayn, who celebrated with his tandem as Bryan watched intently. So Sami Zayn is in the corner of Nakamura, yet 
he chooses not to team with him in a match. Yeah, well, he's going through some uh, shoulder problems maybe at the moment. I think the real storyline is what about Daniel Bryan and they're trying to bring out uh, a different side to him that we've seen before. I mean, it's an interesting storyline going along and, and like I said, at least Nakamura is being featured. Absolutely, yes. Up next we have Nikki Cross. Nikki, uh, Sasha Banks kind of come out to a, a new entrance theme. It's more of a one sung by her cousin, uncle, niece, nephew. <laughs> yeah, one of them. One of them. Uh, but it so it's like, I had a dream, I made it. It's no longer, I knew what you're it. It is Snoop Dogg singing it instead. It sounds quite good, actually. It's kind of putting onto a heelish kind of tendencies. Yeah. Uh. But again, it wasn't the greatest of matches. And, uh, you know, the most monumental thing happened after the match. Bailey attacked Cross until Shayna Baszler came down and attacked. She hit and ran as Banks returned to check on her friend. Uh, I don't know if I said this. I fucking hate Shayna Baszler. Indeed, yes, but it was also hampered by the commercial break as it took away the t- entire middle section of the match, leaving Cross in control, heading in and fighting from underneath, coming out of it. So, again, I thought they was kind of doing away with these break things. Yeah, well, exactly, and then it ruins a match like that. But uh, I hear you querying what's going on with Daniel Bryan. Well, James, the fiend attacks Daniel Bryan. No. During a backstage confrontation between Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan, the Universal Champion, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, attacked Bryan, leaving him lying with the mandible claw. The lights faded to black and the maniacal laughter of the dangerous compound filled the screen. I mean, I'd take that. You know what I mean? Fiend versus Bryan. The match is going to be quite good. I don't know. I don't think they have a clue where they're going to go with it, but that's, you know, the, the <laughs> Fiend's not ruined just yet and Daniel Bryan is still enjoyable. Absolutely, yes. Well, we had a... Uh... The return of Tyson Fury in Manchester, England. Manchester. England. Uh, he discussed his upcoming fight with Deontay Wilder before turning his attention to his crown jewel opponent, Braun Strowman. Is there still unfinished business between them? Well, no. He suggested that the next time they fight, they do so as a tag team partners. Strowman appeared taken aback, but was open to the idea. Cue the B team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas interrupted the proceedings and paid for it dearly, enduring a hard right hand from the boxing champion and a power slam from Strowman. Again, it was harmless fun that popped the crowd, set up a potential high-profile tag match if Strowman and Fury do team up, and gave a taste of what that tandem may look like. So, James, you're putting down WWE tag teams, and they've got the likes of Braun Strowman and Tyson, Gypsy King, Fury teaming up, James. Eat them apples. I hope they taste good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really need to say much at the moment about uh, SmackDown. I'll tell you what annoyed me as well, speaking about tag is that they said on commentary after Kofi won the tag team titles, well, this makes up for him uh, losing the WWE title now in three seconds. No, he fucking doesn't. No. You know, Kofi's not a, just a tag team wrestler. No, it doesn't, no. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's just basically summed up Kofi's one and only ever title run. So I hope you enjoyed it, James. Yeah. WWE Championship run, that is. Um, up next, we had a tag team match. Carmella and Dana Brooke teaming up together for some reason yeah. against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, an established tag team. And, of course, the established tag team... Lost. Lost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, not enough time in the match. A bit of a pointless match. But up next, James, we get the main event. The main event I know you have been waiting for with bated breath. It is Roman Reigns 
versus <laughs> King Corbin. It's almost like they don't want you to watch it. <laughs> it's almost like. Indeed, yes. Well, the King of the Ring, Raw, Raw, Raw rains down, working him over, grounding him as Ziggler and Rude watched on for some reason. Because yeah, they like that sort of thing. Corey Graves made note of Reigns losing the locker room, suggesting this is why the show-off and the glorious one made their presence felt. That's why they're there. Uh, Reigns fought out from underneath and looked to be on his way to victory when he in- again encountered the interference of Rude, blasted him with another Superman punch, flattened Ziggler with a spear. That allowed Corbin to recover and deliver the end of days for a pinfall victory over Roman Reigns. Oh, you don't get many pinfall victories over Roman Reigns. And what a Corbin has moved from another fantastic group. Let's not forget, uh, what was the group? But Lashlin with uh, Bobby Lashley, Drew McTutte, you know, when they were going against the Shield. He's moved on to another group with Ziggler and Rude. And, of course, their names would be... Oh, Ruzigin, King's Court. Ruzigin, yeah, King's Court, yeah. I mean, well, wow. um, yeah, it it's just going to be fucking annoying to hear Baron Corbin on the mic go, going through his pointless accomplishments, ending Kurt Angle's career, this, that, winning King of the Ring, pinning Roman Reigns. I yeah. mean, really? He, he is probably though the only old kind of time fashion heel in WWE now you know we talk about heels and what they do like he's old school like he'd fit into 994 perfectly you know and is it a good thing or a bad thing we haven't got that I think Corbin is gets a reaction from the crowd even though it's a negative one I think it's good but it shouldn't be this I don't think this should be this day and age you know but no. I, might, I might be wrong I might be wrong nah it's it is nah uh, as you say, Ziggler, Rude and Corbin, they may form a stable to dominate on the hillside of things for about 10 minutes until they get beaten. All right, then. So we will move on to news. News! And some crown jewel fallout. WWE superstar Carl Anderson said in his Twitter account that he cannot pay him to go back to Saudi Arabia after the recent trip. Anderson also joked that he needs a second pull, so perhaps he would go again. Well, his wife, Christine, or... Teeny made it clear that she does not want him to go back if WWE goes back to the country for another show. Anderson's wife tweeted, Second house, not a pool, but don't ever go back again. We need our daddy, pappy, mother lover, Abs Anderson, bestigate, AM, bestigatum, etc., being held hostage while we're at home. Oh, best tag team, yeah. (laughs) It's hard to read a word split over two lines. Uh, Being held hostage while we're at home, worried to death. Well, a tweet confirms what many have said privately. W's public story is that mechanical issues led to the travel delays that kept the talent in the country for 24 hours. But the rest of them have been saying that there was an issue between the Crown Prince and Vincent Mann. Well, as noted earlier, the belief along, among wrestlers is that McMahon was owed millions of dollars by the Saudi government for the Super Showdown event that took place in June. McMahon was allegedly very upset and decided to cut off the feed for Crown Jewel so people in the country could not see the show live. Apparently, things were settled and the show went on the air on delay approximately 14 minutes later. Well, the news about the man's issues with the Saudi government got back to the talent, so they were aware what was going on the show was happening. Hours later is when the talent was told by WWE there were mechanical issues delaying their flight home. Dave Meltzer noted on Wrestling Observer Radio that police uh, that wrestlers told him they saw military police near their plane and most of the talent is not buying WWE story about mechanical issues. But AJ Styles took to a live stream to give us more details. Well, here are some bullet points of what he said on the stream. The crew was supposed to leave after the show and they weren't allowed to board the plane. 
Styles said that he wasn't real sure what the problem was, but he heard there was a fuel truck in the way and the guy who drove the fuel truck had left to go home. Styles acknowledges that this doesn't make much sense. Styles said they were told there were some paperwork issues and then after four to five hours, 45 hours, oh no, four to five, they were allowed to get on the plane and then there was something wrong with the fuel. Is that the fuel that was in the truck that was blocking them but the driver had gone home? Well, Styles said he talked to the pilot during the flight when they were in the air and the pilot said there was a problem and the mechanical issues were real. Styles said the delay caused the pilots to time out so they couldn't fly the plane that day. He also said the wrestlers had to go to the hotel. He said there were no guns or anything like that. He said he had the best sleep of his life in the hotel. He says the story was almost blown up to as if they were the verge of being killed. That wasn't the case. He said he has no idea what happened with the crown prince, but that's not my job to say anything. He says he was angry about missing his son's wrestling match. He said, we'll find out as we go along why things happened or we won't. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. It's going to be what it's going to be. He also said he's not going to throw WWE because he is committed to making the best product. He, he says there are a lot of good people in WWE and doesn't want to make them look bad. He also said more until he knows more and he won't say anything negative. And if I did find out, I was offended. We'll go to the source. Believe me on that one. Well, WWE announcer announced that the company had expanded their partnership with the Saudi General Entertainment Authority through 2027 to include a second annual large-scale event. Yeah, when the WWE deal was announced in March of 2018, it's already scheduled to run through 2027, and they've been holding two events per year in Saudi Arabia. However, only one was guaranteed as part of the deal. WWE noted to us that they've been working on a long-term agreement for a second large-scale event in the region annually. Well, it appears as if the deal was finalised after Thursday morning's third quarter earnings call. As WWE co-president George Barros stated on the call, that a second WWE event in Saudi Arabia wasn't confirmed. He said, I can't talk now about that. He said last Thursday when asked if the two events in Saudi Arabia can be locked down for 2020. We want to talk about 2020 once we've locked down several elements that are still open. So I really can't answer the question. Well, WWE stock has been dropping since WWE reported their third quarter earnings last Thursday. There have been concerns about WWE's progress in the Middle East as WWE lowered their outlook for 2019, citing a delay in completing a new TV deal in the Middle East for the change. As of close of the day on Monday before the announcements was made, the stock was down 20% since Thursday. Yeah, Dan's mate Dale Meltzer reported that the W partnership Saudi General Government Authority on Monday had nothing to do with rumours stemming from last week's travel debacle out Saudi Arabia, but because the stock price, as of this writing, WWE shares are up 7% on Tuesday because of the announcement. Worth every single penny. Now, James... I'd like to take. Randy Orton has agreed to a multi-year contract with WWE. He tweeted out, The three most dangerous letters in sports entertainment, RKO, just re-signed with the three most dominant letters in sports entertainment, WWE. Looking forward to pissing off the WWE universe for at least five more years. Hashtag WWE backstage at FS1 at WWE. Orton appeared to tease a possible move to All Elite Wrestling in an Instagram post on October 21st. He stood next to a small stein reading Elite Level and wrote the caption TikTok, TikTok, while tagging a number of wrestlers, including Chris Jericho and Cody. Fightful Sean Ross Sapp, warning video contains profanity, reported in his February that Orton has been openly discussing his willingness to speak with all elite wrestling. Although AEW is presenting an alternative for a dissatisfied 
WWE stars when their contracts end. The idea of Orton jumping ship for the competition always appeared fanciful. The 39-year-old, who doesn't look 39, has spent almost the entirety of his in-ring career with WWE, making his television debut in April 2002. He was almost immediately identified as a foundational piece of the roster, joining Evolution and then becoming the youngest world heavyweight champion in history when he beat Chris Benoit at SummerSlam 2004. Although Orton's last world title win was at WrestleMania 33 in April 2017, he has reached a level where he generally doesn't need to hold the WWE Championship or Universal Championship to be near top of the card. Especially with John Cena focusing more on his acting career, nobody in the WWE locker room can command more respect as a tenured veteran than Orton. And that will continue to be the case going forward. Never a truer word has been written and spoken about in my life. Apart from that he's tight and ripped. So you're happy about the news around you then? <laughs> I can't tell. I am happy. It would have been very interesting to see what would have happened had he gone to AEW Wrestling. That would have certainly shook things up and that would have won the Wednesday Night Wars for All Elite Wrestling for the future, <laughs> forever. Uh, well, we move on with Alexa Bliss update and I guess I'll, I'll leave this to you as well. <laughs> I'll let you take a bit of this one, Jack. Well, Mike Johnson of PWI Insider reported they've been told by multiple sources that Bliss is dealing with a shoulder injury. She's not being brought into WTV tapings for the last few weeks due to the injury. Well, Bliss was last seen teaming with Nikki Cross in a losing effort against the Bukaki Warriors, dropping the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships to Oscar and Kari Sane at Hell in a Cell in early October. Well, it's been an up-and-down injury-plagued year for Bliss. The former Raw SmackDown Women's Champion battled concussion issues early 2019, but bounced back to forge an unlikely partnership with Cross. The tag team became one of the most pleasant surprises of the Raw brand before the latest shoulder injury put her out of action. Well, back on SmackDown as a result of the draft, Bliss likely was slated to play a significant role on the blue brand before the injury bug bit again so who knows how long she'll be out and what awaits her when she does return but she's a vital part of the roster all right that's it for WWE at the moment we're going to move on to ring of honor now everybody knows what ring of honor is been around for the past 15 years now and there was some news because uh joey mercury a former WWE, were broke this week that former WWE talent and producer joey mercury recently ended his time with ring of honor where he was working in numerous backstage roles in a series of tweets today, Mercury confirmed his exit. He also documented numerous issues, some of which have been apparent to fans and observers, others being aired for the first time. The communications shared made mostly deal with general manager Greg Gilliland, but encompass overall management problems with a Sinclair Broadcasting-owned corporation. So here we go. We're going to go through the issues raised, and they include lack of security at events. It supplies the situation, situation in California between Buddy Ray, Velvet Sky, and a fan developed the way it did because there was no Ring of Honor provided security at the show. Lack of medical staff at shows. Mercury discusses the recent issue where Jay Lethal broke his arm in England, saying Gillian wasn't present and there was no priority placed on getting Lethal taken care of. Noting that Marty Scurrill, Marty Scurrill had to order an Uber to get talent to their hotel. In another instant, Mercury said Brody King and Bandido reset Flip Gordon's dislocated elbow in lieu of trained medical professionals. He also says Alex Shelley, who was contracted as a performer only but who is certified trainer, helped wrestlers with physical issues as well. 
having no concussion protocol, which may have led to the company allowing Kevin Klein to work in South Africa with a brain injury. Poor communication and shady dealings with talent around contracts, with not telling Shane Taylor who might soon be unemployed and undervaluing Bandido being discussed. An over an overarching theme to Mercury's tweets is that he's not only coming forward to defend himself against Gillian's accusations he's been used, Mercury has a history of addiction and mental illness, both of which he acknowledges and discussed in the f- but to protect his family of fellow wrestlers. Yeah, and I think this is the important thing because the thing is, uh, especially with Ring of Honor, whatever it is, with WWE and AEW, you can you can argue the fact that uh, you know the talent's not being used correctly, but you know they've got the best possible facilities there for them. So you know it, it, there's no kind of danger. And the problem is with so many different wrestling, it's be able to keep up with this. And it's all well and good, you know, being around for that many times. But if you haven't got the right security, medical staff, therein lies the problem. You need a good team behind you to really start. You know. Uh, it's it's but it's not a surprise to hear this because you kind of you, you know the the kind of the, I think that's the reputation of maybe smaller wrestling outfits that maybe haven't got the kind of same thing and they need to put these into place as well. Absolutely, yeah. But you know when we used to go to our local independent shows, I know it's not on the same scale as Ring of Honor, but um, Rev Pro. I mean, I didn't think there was any security. There's a bloke on the door. I know it's a very small <laughs> scale thing, but. I'm, I'm sure there must have been a couple of them somewhere. There you might know, have cause... been a couple of them sat somewhere, but, you know, it, it wasn't... I'm know. sure there's an ambulance there, just in case. There I, might have been. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to get into trouble. Uh, anyway, so we talk about that, and we move on to NJPW. Well, Chris Jericho versus Hiroshi Tanashi, set for NJPW Wrestle Kingdom 14. Yeah, he's indeed back under the NJPW New Japan Pro Wrestling banner, and where he had his next match booked well jericho wants to wants to wrestle tanashi at the njpw wrestle kingdom 4 night two event two and he will get his wish the promotion did an angle at sunday's power struggle show after kota ibushi and tanashi defeated kans uh, okada and yoshihashi in a tag team match this is when a video aired of a man vaguely looking like Tanashi and rocking out to Tanashi's theme song. In a video, there were people who were attacked. That led to Jericho appearing in his pain maker outfit. Well, Jericho issued the challenge and warned that he'll make Tanashi's last match. Tanashi accepted, which made the match official. Yeah, the contest was first reported back on October 2nd. The show will take place over the course of two nights in Skidome next year on January 4th and January 5th. Well, Jericho last appeared for NJPW at a Dominion event in June where he lost to Okada. Let's not forget that Jericho better not take eyes off the ball because, of course, he's got his next title defence against Cody Rose at AEW, which we'll be covering next week on the WNR podcast. Well, James, shall we get to it? I mean, here's our new podcast favourite at the moment because we are going to see him, but it is Matt, the myth, the penis, <laughs> Joey Ryan. So big, so strong, so big, so strong. Yes, Joey Ryan. The uh, king of dong style. The king of dong style. We're going to be having a feature with him every week leading up to when we go see him. Uh, well, the big news, we talk about Impact Wrestling as well. Ken Shamrock came away with a big victory over Joey Ryan during Tuesday's episode of Impact Wrestling. However, Ryan was able to land infamous moves against Shamrock prior to losing. During the match, Shamrock was caught by Ryan and forced into the penis plex, which caused the crowd and commentary to go absolutely insane. 
while Ryan may have lost the match, he walked away with a major highlight. Major highlight. And here's how the match went. Ryan all's up after the bell rings. Shamrock looks disgusted. Ryan offers to shake Shamrock's hand. Shamrock gives Ryan a high five. Shamrock arm drags Ryan. Shamrock goes near four after sunset flip. Ryan lands a high angle drop kick. Shamrock pops up to his feet. Shamrock looks shocked. Shamrock tries to grab Ryan's hand. Ryan makes Shamrock touch it. Ryan dick flips Shamrock who's clutching at his hand as if it was on fire. Shamrock snaps and clotheslines Ryan. Shamrock puts Ryan in the ankle lock. Ryan taps out. Yeah. But for me, I mean, that didn't really sound as good, you know. I mean, just saying it and everything like that. I mean, what would be better, Dan, than just talking about it, do you reckon? Listening to it? I don't know. Listening to it. it. Smelling it would be great. How about we watch some Impact Wrestling on the WNR podcast? Is this a first? This is, I think this might be a first. Joey Ryan is coming out. And look at that, a fine specimen of a man. He looks like a porn star. I love Joey Ryan. What it's about was fun. And I was stuck between this moment and what we saw with Orange Cassidy and Pac on AEW. So we've actually watched both of them. (laughs) We watched both of them. We gave a poll out, a big long poll, and people have actually picked this moment from Impact as the best moment of the week in wrestling. So... Can I just point out it's the best <laughs> moment of the two you gave them the choice of, not the best moment. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Baron, Cor- Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns is better than this. Come on. <laughs> there was more moments than this in the whole thing, but it, the look on Ken Shamrock's face, he doesn't look that pleased about coming out here for this match. I, mean, it, I tell you what, though, not in bad shape. Not in bad shape. From the shoulders down, he's in great shape. From the head up... He looks older than Vince McMahon. Oh my god, he has, he has, he looks like Terminator after he's been in a big fight. And Joe Ryan here just sucking on his lollipop, ready for action. And Joe Ryan, very clever gun on the outside. He's got to be wary of the ankle lock, but Joe Ryan's got a massive weapon in that he can use. The ankle cock. <laughs> just, oh, there we go, look, baby all to start. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna love seeing Joe Ryan. Baby oil and the lollipop. Just to be safe, the lollipop put away. And here we go. We're going to see it. Ken Shamrock, former Intercontinental Champion. First ever NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Going against our man, Joey Ryan. The world's most dangerous man going against the world's most dangerous penis. And Joey Ryan's going to offer his hand. And Shamrock's saying, no, just a high five. And Joey Ryan can wrestle. He's been doing this for a very long time. It's just the fact that his dick is incredible. But if it wasn't for his dick gimmick, would he have had this many independent bookings and would he be on Impact? He would be a no one on, on AEW Impact. He'd be the generic tag team wrestler, you know, tape teaming up with Trent Barretta, no offence to Trent or someone like that. I think there's definitely talent. This character's kind of taken him different and a lot of promotions want to sign him. He's signed with Impact because he just wanted to be himself. And yeah, it is silly, but he just wants to stay like this. He wants to stand out and... His dick stands out from a crowd, Dan. Wow. But again, he is... He's not a wrestler, he's a gimmick. He can can wrestle. But at the moment, it's just about introducing everybody to Joey Ryan. I'm sure sure he can go. Cut the arm drags there. Shamrock picking up the pace a little bit. Well, the crowd dueling chance for Joey Ryan and Rock. I mean, let's go back to the start of when we uh, started this podcast, James. Do you ever think you would ever, in your life, be calling... A match between Ken Shamrock and Joey Ryan. No, but that's what dreams are made of, really. I've always been a huge fan of Ken Shamrock. 
And I'd say impact, the impact set, obviously, it's a lot smaller than it used to be. I mean, I'll probably hold less than a 1,000 fans, but it's not too bad. At least it's still going and it's still being relevant at this time as well. So fair play to that. Do you think it's something that's taken away from what used to be TNA? I mean, you know, with the likes of AJ, Joe, uh, Daniels, you know, and everyone else who's come through it, it's, you know, they're kind of relying on... Ken Shamrock. Yeah, I think it's gone down and now they're trying to come up again. And hopefully this is kind of rebirth of what Impact Wrestling can be. And the fans' chance of Shamrock, you still got it, has taken uh, Joe Ryan down. And Joe Ryan's showing he can wrestle. <laughs> I love that you still got it, touches dick dueling chance. I mean, where else are you going to have that? Shamrock with a go behind. Ryan managing to turn it round. And a drop kick by Joe Ryan right on the button there. <clears throat> and Shamrock now going off the hand. He's got respect. Oh, oh, no. Joey places it onto his <laughs> cock. Ken Shamrock didn't want to touch it, but Joey's flexing oh. <laughs> as he gives him the dick flip. The world's most dangerous man caught with a dick flip. And I think Shamrock just snapped. Well, he's only ever touched 14 other men's cocks in his life, so he's going to put a hurting on Joey Ryan. And 13 of them was his own cock. <laughs> oh, well, Shamrock... Gets the victory there. Dan, what are your thoughts after seeing it? Joe Ryan versus Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock is far too old to be wrestling. I know it's like another victim to the dick flip, and that's kind of basically what all this match was about. You know, it wasn't about the win-loss record. It wasn't about anything but Ken Shamrock getting dick flip. That's the whole match. And it's fun. And that's what's important about it. And another thing that... Because this is the thing that I've been trying to talk about. Ever since WWE did what they did, this is what we've been talking about. And it involves other promotions as well. Even Ken Shamrock tweeted, saying, For the critics, pro wrestling can be anything you want. It's big enough for everyone to have a spot. As for me, it's not about money. It's for the fans and love of the sport. Enjoy wrestling. Believe in wrestling. Support wrestling. And that is matter what you think of it or, you know, if it's having the fun. And those two moments for this week on and other wrestling organisations uh, has really made me uh, kind of smile here. And that's what wrestling's about, Dan, isn't it, you know? It is, yeah. <laughs> what are people enjoying it? You can't have a go at people enjoying professional wrestling. Uh, another thing as well, quickly talk about tweets. Adam Copeland, Edge, obviously, tweeted out, uh, I love NWA, NWA Power. It's a love letter to the 70s and particularly 80s wrestling, which when I fell head over heels in love with the colourful and same beast. The promos, the action, the lack of dives. Good job, Billy. Good job, Lagana. Good job, everyone else involved. That is on Facebook and YouTube. You can go and see NWA Power. Colt Cabana beat James Storm this week to... Uh, win the NWA like Northern Regional title. So So the Cowboys doing better than his former partner Bobby Roode. No no he just lost to Colt Cabana, so I suppose Still, except an ex champion he lost the tag team titles, didn't he? Yeah. Well anyway, back to WWE to keep Dan happy and we're talking to talk about NXT UK. Well going back to October the tenth <clears throat> and Nigel McGuinness announces that Tom or Todd Phillips will be replacing Vic Joseph on commentary. The Hunt, Wild Boar and Primate defeated pretty deadly Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley via pinfall. Jordan Devlin defeated Jack Stars with a Z via pinfall. Post-match, he's the greatest superstar in the company. Dave Mastiff interrupts and calls Devlin out only for Jordan Devlin to bail. So the bomber, Dave Mastiff, defeated Kenny Williams via pinfall. An interview with Zaya Brookside is interrupted by Nina Samuels as she challenges Nina to a match. 
NXT UK Tag Team Champions, South Wales Subculture, that is their actual tag team name, Mandrews and Morgan Flash Webster, come out to thank the crowd for their support. They are interrupted by the Gallus Duolfi and Wolfgang, who scoff at their speech. Flash Webster Morgan says they'll kick both of their irises next week. <coughs> Alicia Taylor interviews Naam Dahl, who said he's done with Trent Seven. Trent interrupts and Naam Dahl, blasting with a cheap shot. Skid Scala makes a match between them next week. Alicia Taylor tries to interview South Wales subculture backstage, but Grizzled Young Vets interrupt and say the title will be back with them soon. Piper Niven defeated Jazzy Gabert via pinfall. Ray Ripley kicked Gabert in the edit ringside, leading to the victory. So very kind of slow. There's no takeover coming up. There's no really anything coming up. It's the forgotten program at the moment in WWE, isn't it? You know? Absolutely, yes. Well, let's just hope that they're going to do something on the uh, Survivor Series. Well, we're moving on to October 17th episode of NXT UK. And Ia Dragunov defeats Saxon Huxley via pinfall after the Torpedo Moscow. Post-match, Alexander Wolfe, who came out mid-match to scout Aya, is joined by fellow Imperium members Eichner and Barthel. Dragunov was ready for a fight. Instead, Eichner and Barthel just walked past him in the ring, leaving Aya confused. Well, that leads us to Imperium, Eichner and Barthel to defeat the Hunt via pinfall with the European bomb. A backstage segment involving... Back, a backstage segment is shown of Piper Niven thanking Ray Ripley for the help. Piper also asked her if Ray would be willing to put the differences aside, take on Ginny and Jazzy. Zia Brookside defeated Nina Samuels via pinfall. All up. A vignette air for the debut of A-Kid. Um, let me just go back to when we used to muck about. We used to like a bit of wrestling down at, uh, around a local area around here. And uh, wasn't that Jared's nickname, wasn't his J-Kid? J-Kid was Jared's nickname, All yes. Right. So if he looks suspiciously like Jared, <laughs> very tall with a long face like Billy Kidman, hmm. then... Um, I've not, I've not seen Jared for a while, actually. Neither have I. No. I last heard he was going to a performance centre, but <laughs> I didn't pay no, pay no attention to him on that. Well, in the ring, Jordan Devlin cuts a promo talking about how the roster thinks he's arrogant, but he's just confident. Dave Mastiff interrupts, and before he can speak, Devlin hits him. Mastiff fights back and tells Devlin that he would take on Devlin to prove that he is a wrestler. Gallus, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey versus South Wales Subculture. Mark Andrews and Morgan Webster Flash for the NXT UK Tag Team Champions is what we're going to be watching, James. Yes, you should have taken a breath. We are going to get on to the main event. Take Now we're going to compare. We've just seen a fantastic AEW match. And now we're moving on to NXT UK to see what their tag team titles division is like. And here we go. Bell rings to start straight away. Flash Morgan Webster and Andrews taking out Gallus. Wolfgang and Mark Coffey and then both spring over the top with a Cantina Rangelo taking them out really impressive stuff so we've managed to watch a bit of AEW without no buffering watch some Impact (laughs) without no buffering we're now watching NXT UK and I haven't seen a span of more than 10 seconds without buffering yeah and that's not buff bag well and uh Mark Andrews fires out with a suicide dive on Mark Coffey, who goes back in. Dual kicks there by the uh, South Wales subculture. What do you think that tag team name? Weird. <laughs> Shit, isn't it? <laughs> and you had to go at a private party. Yes, but nothing takes away the wrestling ability. So do you think this team is as good as any team in WWE? No, as an entire WWE. We talked about that earlier. <coughs> How great the tag team division was. Do you think this, these two teams are up there? 
I think they're good, but I, I think what these uh, the South Wales subculture is lacking is a big guy. You know, it's normally a smaller guy and a big guy teaming up together, and you know the smaller guy gets beaten down, gets a hot tag in. This is kind of changing things up, and they're going against um, two big guys. Two big guys in a coffee and a wolf gang. So, what do you think the tag guys? You think they should? Uh... I mean, switch. Yeah, switch. I mean, is Wolfgang the right guy? Maybe Joe Coffey should come in to try and get... Well, it would kind of change the name of the South Wales subculture because only one of them would be Welsh and which one would take the name. They could have a kind of uh, a DX-style battle to see who gets the name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I care more about Gallus than I do West Coach and subculture of developments and trains in Wales. I mean, you know, like I said, it doesn't really roll off tight. Mandrews is a great talent. Mash Florgan Webster, I'm still not entirely sure by him. Wolfgang's alright, of course, is my pick in the um, UK tournament. How did he do? He got further than yours. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, not your guy out. See, I'm like an elephant, mate. I can remember that. <clears throat> is that the one and only tournament that you've ever managed to beat? No, I've won like two that? now. I won the uh, breakout tournament as well, didn't I, NXT? Yeah. How's your guy doing from that? <laughs> yeah, not great. Jordan Miles hasn't really recovered. He's not been in the news, though. I was expecting him to be in the news this week, and he wasn't. No news is good news. I suppose so. And look at Wolfgang now. Just got Mandrews. Going to wear their small man down. And we are joined by one of the in-betweeners uh, for the match. <laughs> yeah. We've got two in-betweeners. We've got Jay and we've got Will. <laughs> well, not Jay, not Will. Uh, Neil, innit? Jay and Neil. <clears throat> I'm sure we've... Uh, this is deja vu from something that's happened before. I think you just said that. And that Wolfgang and Mark Coffey there, just wearing down Mandrews, desperate for a tag. Is this the main event? Mm-hmm. He hasn't got the hot tag in yet. Oh, yeah. Mark Coffey just wearing down Mandrews' submission, trying to fight out of it. Webster's been knocked off the open a couple of times, looking for that tag. Finally, with the crowd behind him, can uh, Mandrews fight out, relinquish the grip and get a tag to his Protecting partner. <laughs> what, what do you like the look of? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant that you liked this. Mandrews rolls through, manages to get a tag to Webster Morgan Flash, who comes in and he's on fire, baby. Springboard Moonsault, lovely taking out coffee, but Wolfgang in to break it up. Backslide and a few heavy slaps to Wolfgang. He gets caught with a Tittlewell head scissors, and he's got Mark Coffee in his sights, comes charging towards him. But gets leaviated over the top rope, lands on the apron, runs the rope, swings around the ring post. Lovely hurricane runner to Wolfgang round the ring post on the outside. But Mark Coffey's recovered, trying to drag Webster in to the ring, but gets hung up on the top rope for his troubles. And you can see Joe Coffey looking on from the entranceway as it looks to be the end now. No, Wolfgang saving his partner, dragging him to the outside. But they're still in the drop zone for Webster. A lovely senton bomb takes out both members of Gallus. Yeah. And now all four men are down. Old on the line and the referee's taking his time. He's not really, he's lost control of this at the moment. And if it was AEW, Dan would be having a go about the referee here. At least it's not spotted though. I mean, apart from the spot where <laughs> Red <Fred and> Morgan <laughs> Flash jumped off the top rope. And the spot before that, it's not, it's not that bad. There's not going to be any more, though. I just hope Joe Coffey doesn't get involved. He won't get tired of them. Well, Webster with a takedown, tags in Mandrews, and toast at 3am there between the two men. But no, Mark managing to kick out. Ah, uh, toast at 3am for a tag team name, really? Well, it's better than uh, 
Silly gin and juice. No, it's not. Oh. Yeah. Wolfgang's got hold of Slash Morgan Webster. Hits him on the apron. Huge Uranagi on the inside for Mandros as Webster gets thrown back into the ring. Choke slam from Mark Coffey. Tags in Wolfgang. And looking to put him away. They get the slingshot move that doesn't work in real life. Into a Samoan drop as Wolfgang bounces off to the corner. Springboard moonsault from the second. One, two. No, Mandrew's making the save, accidentally kicking the referee in the head. See that? No spots whatsoever. And now Mark Coffey throwing Mandrew's on the apron. Jumps over the baseball slide. Moonsault off the ring apron. I mean, that was absolutely picture perfect for Mandrew's landing on his feet. Not a spot in sight. And now Wolfgang's got Webster Morgan flash up on his shoulders. Fights off. Tagged to Mandrew's. Ducks under the clothesline. Chopping an elbow. Coffee trying to get the uh, the momentum back in Gallus' favour. Blind tag as Wolfgang takes out Mandrews. Webster's legal man at the moment, but I don't think Wolfgang knows. Oh, a lovely running knee lift as Wolfgang was going to take out Mandrews. And Webster jumping up to his feet to deliver a lovely insiguri. Gets caught with an uppercut. Upper what? From Wolfgang. A headbutt to the chest from Webster. Who takes... Uh, Wolfgang takes out both members... Of the South Wales subculture. I'm not a... He's not Ollie. And now both teams get to their feet. See a classic showdown of all four men in the ring. Uh, mono, Imono, Imono. Coffee takes out Webster. Catches Mandrews. Ready for that slingshot. But he turns it into a stun dog millionaire. Wolfgang picking Mandrews up. Got him up onto his shoulders. Fucking hell. A reverse runner and dropkick combo plants Wolfgang. Oh, that was cool. Joe Coffey on the uh, the, uh, entranceway. And even his look on his face, he couldn't believe what happened. Webster on the top. Senton bomb to the back of Coffey. One, two. No, he managed to kick out. Oh. And Gala's still in this. (laughs) I mean, there's no good tag teams in the WWE. I mean, this tag team match I've seen in a long while. Is it really low? Is it better than takeover tag team matches? I mean, that was a good spot. I said one of the best tag well, team yeah, matches best. I've seen uh, in a while. Not the best match I've ever seen in my whole entire <laughs> life, dickhead. <laughs> You're telling your inner Jared today. Dickhead. <laughs> well, Mandrew's just got caught by Wolfgang on the outside. As he gets thrown into the ring post. And Mark Coffey taking out Morgan Flash Webster. Another choke slam, but no, Webster doesn't land on his feet. Backflips out of it, though. Delivers a headbutt. Goes up top looking for the senton bomb again. Oh, but Wolfgang's there. Oh, oh sorry, that's hard. No. <laughs> and fourth, he missed. Yeah, Wolfgang's there for the tag. Fucking hell. That's like a spear takedown. Tags in Coffee, who loads him up to Wolfgang. Enziguri into a power slam. One, two, three. And Gallus are the new tag team champions. And they beat the West coaching subculture of Wales. South Wales subculture, James. They beat them clean. We can't argue with that. Gallus gets the win. What did you think of the match, Dan? I thought it was quite a very exciting match. Um... It's it's a bit of a disappointment that uh, Mandrews and Webster Morgan Flash were kind of like transitional champs taking the titles from uh, the Grizzled Young Vets to uh, Gallus. But it is good to see Gallus with some gold around their waists. Is it going to be um, 
like a little three-way thing now that Gallus, are they going to all three concentrate on being the tag team champions or is it, or is Joe going to resume going for uh, the NXT UK Championship? Well, that is the question. I mean, it's interesting because talk about them going to a Hill tag team, maybe Imperium would have been the choice, but they've gone Gallus now, so there's more questions than answers at the moment, but the biggest victory in Gallus's uh, history at this moment in time, Wolfgang and Mark Coffee, NXT tag team titles, and the winners, Dan, compared to the AEW match, what one was better, do you reckon? I think they both had their good moments. You know, I was complaining about spots in the AEW one, and there was a few in this NXT UK match as well. But I, I'm a huge fan of Mandrews, and, you know, I thought you was too until you turned your uh, your allegiances to uh, the, the elsewhere. But, um, again, you know, Wolfgang and Coffee, two very talented wrestlers, as is... Webster Flash Morgan. Um, SCU, they're an established tag team, as are the Lucha Bros as well. I think Gallus versus South Wales subculture, even though their names are a lot worse, they, I think they had a more fluid match, whereas the other one was spotty. So your match was NXT tag team titles. Yeah. And that's why mine is the AEW match. Because <laughs> uh, so we'll move on with NXT UKs. So we move on to October 24th edition. After weeks of irritation, can Trent Seven keep his composure and defeat Noam Dar? Well, Imperium's opening promo was interrupted by Gallus, who make fun of Imperium. Zy Brookside promises to earn herself an NXT UK Women's Championship opportunity against Kaylee Ray. And Grizzle Jung Vets defeated Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith via pinfall as the GYV hit the ticket to mayhem. When asked about his future in NXT UK, Tyler Bates says he's going with a flow. He's also expressed an interest in fighting Ija Dragunov and a kid. The guy debuting in NXT UK. Oh, not a no, Not kid. Kenny Omega. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Grizzle Jung Vets ran into Gallus backstage and promised that they will get the NXT UK tag tight. Tag team titles back. Or Travis Banks versus Laguerre ended a double pin. They shook hands after the match. I'm not even going to question. A kid debuts in action next week. Jordan Devlin faces Dave Mastiff next week. Trent Seven defeated Noam Dar via pinfall after hitting Tyler Bates, Bop and Bang, Pete Dunn's finger snap and a burning hammer. We move on to our next episode, October 31st. And Jordan Devlin looks to solidify... His spot is a big-time player, but he has a big obstacle in his way. Talking of big obstacles, Piper Niven teams up with Ray Ripley to defeat Ginny and Jazzy Gaber via pinfall. Well, this appears to be Ray Ripley's swan song for NXT UK before heading over to NXT US full-time. It's also great to see Ginny back in the ring. She's so much to give as both a wrestler and a character. A hard-hitting affair ends up going the way of Ripley and Niven when Niven hits a Michinoku for the win. Well, we get a vignette for A-Kid, whose debut is up next. A-Kid defeated Cassius Ono by count-out. Well, A-Kid looks very strong in this match, with him getting the upper hand on several occasions. Ono eventually used his power to get back into it, but A-Kid speed won as both men were on the outside. Kid beat Ono into the ring by a second, therefore beating the count and grabbing an upset win. Well, Cassius Ono then attacks A-Kid from behind and puts a beating on him until Tyler Bates makes the save. Cassius Ono bails. Well, we see a video backstage of a returning Killer Kelly saying she needs to pick up, pick a fight to get a match on NXT UK. She sets her aim for Isla Dawn. We get Joseph Connors defeating Roy Johnson via pinfall. Well, it is nice to see Roy Johnson again. He's been working very hard since his short time in the first UK Championship tournament. Sadly, he was merely fodder for Joseph Connors, who, after a brief moment of hope for Rake the Eyes, 
Sunset Bomb Johnson onto the bottom buckle and hit the don't look down for the win. Well, we then hear from NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. She said it's a great day because not only is she here, but Tony Storm is not. She rags on Tony Storm some more before setting the sights on Zia Brookside. She talks about eliminating her from the battle role and that she cheated and she stands there as champion. It was quite a good promo. Well, we then see a video from the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions Gallus who remind us all that it's their kingdom. And then Jordan beat Dave Mastiff for a pinfall. What? Well, big statement win for the Irish Ace against the Bomber. Devlin attacks Mastiff to kickstart the match, but Mastiff's power wins out. Devlin begins to work the leg of Mastiff to chop him down and use his quickness, which leads to victory. As Devlin avoids into the void and hits an insiguri and amazingly Devlin's side for the victory. Well, backstage here, Dragunov is stopped by Alexander Wolf and said there isn't long left for him to decide whether he's with Emporium or against them. Move on to our last episode in NXT UK. Once again, emanates from the Brentford Centre, boasting the main event between the four former NXT Tag Team Champions in South Wales subculture and the Grizzled Young Vets. Well, Joe Coffey defeated Tyson T-Bone via pinfall. This was a very hard-hitting match. Coffey got the win with the best for the Bells spinning lariat. Alicia Taylor asked Zia Brookside about Kaylee Ray's harsh words last week. Brookside says she's working harder than ever and is ready to show Ray what she's truly made of. A video was played hyping the debut of Ridge Holland. NXT UK tapes in Holland's hometown of Hull next week. What a great name that is, Ridge Holland. Piper Niven has a videotape that's telling her story of growing up as a wrestling fan. She says she wants to be a role model. Leave it. <laughs> Swiss roll model. model. Uh, Isla Dawn defeated Killer Kelly via pinfall. Dawn got the win with a bridge in jail. This was Kelly's return from injury. And she's still yet to win a televised match in NXT UK. Cassius Ono versus Tyler Bates set for next week. In a hype video, Ono promised to extinguish British strong style. Zaya Brookside versus Kaylee Ray scheduled for next week. Travis Banks has his rematch with Liguero. You guessed it. Next week. Uh, right now, South Wales subculture, Flash Morgan Webster and Mandries versus Grizzly Young Vets, Zach Gibson and James Drake. It was excellent. Gibson was angrier than usual, bad-mouthing Andrews and Webster throughout the match. This caused James Drake to remind Gibson to stick to the game plan. Gallus came out to watch the match halfway through, as did Imperium later on. This led to a double disqualification. The match had been very fantastic until then. Andrews, in particular, was very, 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 very impressive. I know you're a huge fan of him. After the match, Imperium and Gallus stood off. Ia Dragunov's music then hit, and he allied himself with Gallus. Much to Imperium's surprise, the show faded to black as the two factions brawled. Ia Dragunov, part of Gallus? Colour me surprise. Well, next week's NXT UK is the last episode to air from the Brentwood taping. Tapings take place in Hull on Friday 15th and Saturday 16th next week. Yeah, welcome to Hull. Uh, what have you thought of NXT UK this month, then? I think the tag team's are good. It's kind of uh, been a bit weakened by the fact of, you know, Pete Dunne and uh, Volta obviously appearing on the American shows of uh, and stuff, but... It's still been very impressive, and the tag team side of things has been very, very good. 
I have to agree with you there. Alex UK still hitting out of the park every time it can. Okay, we're going to move on now to MLW, Major League Wrestling. We've never spoken about this before on the WNR podcast, so just a brief thing, Paige. Uh, it's an American professional wrestling promotion based in New Rochelle, New York. It was founded in 2002 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania by former W writer Court Bauer before the promotion moved to their bases to New York City and later to Orlando, Florida. The promotion ran several live events and tapings for a television show named Underground TV, which aired on the Sunshine Network. Founder Court Bauer described MLL's product as the most violent, hard-hitting action mixed with cutting-edge storylines. Also describes as hybrid wrestling, mix of wrestling styles. However, MLL closed its doors in 2004 due to shortage of money after a few sponsorship exits. Well, Bauer resumed promoting events in July 2017 with a new weekly television show named MLW Fusion, premiering on B in Sports in April 2018, around the same time. MLW started working in a relationship with Mexican promotion Lucha Libre AAA Worldwide. In November, MLW broke their attendance record with a show called Fightland in Chicago, Sequero Stadium. In March 2019, Jim Cornette joined the promotion as a colour commentator and worked unofficially in an agent-like role. In April 2019, MLW moved their operations into a corporate office building in New Rochelle, New York. MLW will hold their first pay-per-view event named Saturday Night Superfight at the Sequero Stadium in Sequero, Illinois in November 2019. So this was available on Fight TV and and other places as well. Available, and we're just going to give you highlights of the show and let you know what happened. Uh, So it's MLW Saturday Night Superfight, November 2nd, their very first pay-per-view. This is all the pre-show. So first up, Leo Bryan versus Savio Vega. What, that... Savio Vega. Vega is still involved. Um, the winner was uh, Leo Bryan. After the match, Bryan attacks Vega, but it backfires. Vega hits him with a heel kick and hits him with two single canes. He follows Bryan up the ramp and keeps hitting him. We get a video package recapping uh, Mance Warriors rivalry with Jimmy Havoc and Basita 666's place in it. Another package hypes up El Intercabula. Intercable Gino Medina. And he's in action next versus Airwolf. And he, he wins quite easily with a running knee and a modified stump puller, earning him the victory. Is that something that you do to um, like the list people? Hijo so. uh, de la Park, presented by Selena de la Renta versus Zenshi, ended when Hijo de la Park won with a lariat and hit a modified pole driver for the win. Contra unit, that consists of Simon Gotch, who was uh, formerly part of the Vaudevillians. And Ikaro Kwan versus Dominic Goodless James versus Spirit Squad. Kenny and Mikey. Yes, James. That Spirit Squad. Well, at the end, James Rock's got you a kick. He destroys Dome when Kwan with knees to the head. Garin clotheslines Mondo and slams Dome. Garin then locks an armbar. Kwan spits mist in Mondo's face and Gotch pins him for the win. Well, after the match, Gotch threatens the ring announcer and makes him announce Contra as the winners. All right, so now we move on to the main card. So the MMA main card started off with a dynasty came out and cut a promo to open the show about how the Von Erics aren't going to win the tag team titles. And then the Von Erics defeated the dynasty for the MMA World Tag Team Championship. So the promo didn't go according to plan. What, that Von Erich? <laughs> yes, yes. Right, okay. Um, Injustice, Jordan Oliver and... Uh, the Von Erichs hit stereo cannonball attacks. Marshall went to the top rope to hit a moonsault on holiday, but MJF cut him off and crutches him. 
Uh, Ross locked the claw on MJF, but MJF used the middle rope to low blow Ross, and Holiday put Ross on the top rope before hitting a superplex. MJF hit a splash on Ross, and as he was pinning him, Marshall flew off and hit a moonsault on both Holiday and MJF. The Von Erichs low bridged Holiday and hit a combo claw slash the pinfall victory. The Von Erichs are the new tag team champions. The claw. They're still using the claw, the Von Erichs. Fair play to the claw. This was a very good match. I'm not sure. I've never seen these young Von Erichs before. And they made their way to MLW. But they are very good. This was an excellent way to open a pay-per-view. Well, the Injustice, which is Jordan Oliver and Kota Brazil and Myron Reed, defeated Septimo Dragon, Puma King and Gringo Loco. Well, this was a wild match. Dive all over the ring. Uh... The match was wild and absolutely worth watching. The Bayfaces took most of this match, but ended with Injustic hitting a series of big moves on Dragon, and then Reed hit Springfield 450 all the way across the ring for the pinfall victory. This was very, very good. Teddy Hart defeated Austin Aries to retain the MLW Middleweight Championship. Aries started the match by hitting a dive on Teddy Hart right away. Both men started to brawl at ringside and his head, selling like he was woozy. Once he was back in the ring, he wasn't woozy anymore and started throwing punches at Aries. Aries ate an uppercut and then Hart sent him flying into the opposite corner and Aries crashed to the mat. Well, Hart called for a Canadian destroyer on the apron, but Aries counted it in the Death Valley driver. Hart crashed to the floor. Aries dived off the top rope with a sledgehammer to the back of Teddy's neck, continued to work over the head. Aries hit a DT on Teddy's leg on the apron. The ring and Aries went for a suicide dive. Hart moved and Aries crashed into the guard. Aries then had a huge welt on his chest after this. That had to suck to take. Hart brought Aries onto the, into the apron but went for the Death Valley driver on the apron again. But Austin deadweighted him and fell into the ring. Aries was faking it though and rolled up Hart for a two count. Two. Hart immediately counted into Canadian Destroyer for the pinfall. Yeah, it's weird Teddy Hart getting so much exposure. He's the guy that's kind of failed all over the place because of the ego on him. Kind of, as uh, very famous in Ring of Honor, he was trying to take people's. We talked about spots earlier. He was doing extra spots in a steel cage, and management were furious for him. Because you're meant to be hurt and you're going up and trying like diving 450s and shit like this. But this match was very good. Aries and Hart worked very hard and took some hard bumps throughout. Aries now that guardrail on his dive, but thankfully he was okay. This was a lot of fun. Hart didn't sell very much, but he never does anyway. Well, Contra Unit's flag came on the screen and Samuel cut a promo about how Teddy Hart and the Von Erics now have targets on their back. And then Low Key defeated Brian Pillman Jr. Yes, him! <laughs> Well, in a surprise start to the match, Pillman started chopping and hitting Loki hard. Pillman hit a corner close on and then went for a drop kick, but Loki got his hands up, so Pillman stopped and slapped his head. Pillman might have regretted that as Loki ripped Pillman's shirt off and started destroying him with chops. Well, Pillman's crossed Key's arms for saying, but Key kicked high right in the face. Key then hit a high wall kick on Pillman that dropped him in the corner. The referee wanted to give a 10 count to give Pillman a chance to recover. He then protested, but help me let the ref count. Pillman shoved the referee away and he threw his mouthpiece at Lowkey. Key hit a copo kick and knocked Pillman out for the win. Well, after the match, Lowkey woke Pillman up and said, this is a hard lesson, then shook Pillman's hand to a great reaction. This was fantastic. Pillman took a huge beating and dished out one to Lowkey too. This could be a major star making match for him. Major star. As, as it's clear, MLW has big plans for him. The match was good. A video aired about MAW establishing working agreement with AAA. This is very interesting. Filthy Tom Lawler then defeated Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, Thatcher went for another palm strike, but Lawler responded with a spinning clothesline. He 
picked up Thatcher, but Thatcher countered an armbar attempt. Tom Ford off and hit a tombstone for a near fall. Lawler hit a pump handle suplex on Thatcher for a two count. Well, Lawler then started to just punch Thatcher like crazy. His cheek was bleeding from this. Lawler grabbed him and finally locked on the rear naked choke. Thatcher tapped out. Well, holy shit, this match was awesome. Thatcher and Lawler beat the shit out of each other in exchange for great technical wrestling. This was awesome. This was a great match that mixed shoot-style moves with pro wrestling. Well, Lawler was interviewed after the match and said, and he said that Thatcher was one of the toughest wrestlers in the world and that MLW was going to stay filthy. He was going to do whatever he wanted, but he's here to stay. And then Mance Warner defeated Bestia 666 and Jimmy Havoc. Well, Bestia climbed the ladder, but Havoc grabbed him low and threw him onto the chairs. That was fucking nuts. Havoc set up a door between two chairs. Mance cut him off, but Havoc used a barbed wire on Mance's face. Mance hit a lariat on Havoc, but Besita hit Mance with a trash can and Besita super kicked Mance. And then he kneed Mance in the face and laid him face down on the door. He then went to the top rope, but Mance cut him off and suplexed him through the door for a free count. Well, this match was fucking intense. Uh, Mance was completely covered in blood by the end of this match, and all three took some crazy bumps, the worst being on the chairs, I think. That was absolutely crazy, and if you're into hardcore wrestling, you'll enjoy this. Well, have it attack Mance after the match and set up a guardrail on the floor before hitting a pulver on it, but picked him up and hit the acid rainmaker before riping Mance's blood on his own face. Nice. <laughs> Well, a man who should actually be a porn actor, and that is Alex Hammerstone, because that name is just straight out of a porn he's gonna, film. He's going to team Scott Holland. What's it? Holland. Ridge Holland should team up with Alex Hammerstone. Holland and Hammerstone. <laughs> <laughs> well, he defeated Davy Boy Smith Jr. Yes, no. that Davy Boy Smith Jr. to retain the MLW National Openweight Championship. Well, Hammerstone ripped off a turnbuckle pad and started hitting forearms to the back of Smith. Smith no-sold some punches and he hulked up, including wagging his finger, hitting a big boot and a leg drop. Hammerstone kicked out. Oh. Smith hit 10 punches in the corner but hit an insecure from Hammerstone who then hit a missile Smith. Well, Hammerstone drove Smith into the corner and then hit a flying kick for a two count. Two. Smith got an inside cradle, but Hammerstone kicked out. Oh. Both men started to exchange counters with Hammerstone getting a schoolboy and grabbing the ropes for the win. Do you know this was a pretty good match that was hurt by having to follow the stairway to hell match between Havoc, Mance and Bestia. This is still quite good, but it would have been better placed before the ladder match, in my opinion. However, with only the main event next, it doesn't make it difficult to figure out where to pull it. Still, this sets up Smith getting a match in return down the road, and I expect it would be quite good. Jacob Fatu, yes, from that Fatu family, defeated La Parker or LA Park. Defeated LA Park to retain the MLW World Heavyweight Championship in a no DQ match. Well, Park took off his belt and started to beat on Fatu with it. He then sent Fatu in the corner, but Fatu ran up the ropes and hit a twisting sent on of his own. He then hit the ropes and hit a Fosbury flop on Park. Cow. Fatu grabbed a table and brought it into the ring. He then hit a Urinagi on Park and went for a moonsault, but Park moved. Well, Samuel came into the ring through a fireball that hit the referee. Selena came into the ring and slapped Samuel, but he moved out of the way as Park tried to spear him. He accidentally put Selena through the table. Fatu super kicked Park and then hit an elevated Samoan drop on Park. Fatu climbed the top rope and hit a moonsault for the pinfall. Well, this match was crazy. It was a wild brawl. It had to be different from the other matches, and it absolutely was. The crowd was very hot throughout, and I bought several of the near 
finishes. But to, to look at this show in general, I mean, every match in this show felt different and brought something else to the table. My personal favourite was Tom Lawler versus Timothy Thatcher. Overall, this was an excellent pay-per-view from MLW. Outside of a few minor production issues with the sound early on, it came across very well. The smaller arena may remind me a lot of the old ECW pay-per-views, actually. And the crowd wasn't as hot. This show is definitely worth a shot. What are your thoughts on it, Dan? Yeah, it was... Um... It's a very different style of wrestling. It's kind of like the old ECW type of wrestling, which is more wrestling. And, um, you know, uh, the storylines, yeah, they might need a bit of work, but I think the wrestling is very, very different and good. Yeah, I think, and this is what we're trying to bring to the table as well, all these other different promotions. And if anybody's seen a promotion, either on TV or live, and they want to let us know about it, we'll talk about it. Send us an email. As always, to the Dubliner podcast at gmail.com. Okay, we're going to move on to something that Dan does not talk about, but I will quickly, because it's UFC 244. The argument is for everybody is that people who watch wrestling don't watch UFC, people who watch UFC don't watch wrestling. I am one of those that watches both, but UFC fans absolutely hate wrestling fans because obviously it's fake and all this other kind of bullshit, right? So we had Masvidal versus Diaz, and it's a fight card at Madison Square Garden in New York City, all right? And a venue famous for fighting around the world and of course wrestling as well in the main event Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal fought for the first bad motherfucker title being fought over five rounds at welterweight they created this championship they called it the BMF does that sound a custom championship Dan created in another promotion where would you get an idea for that eh Oh, uh, well it's uh it certainly is unique I actually watched the video of uh the rock I think he carried it to the ring his theme tune was playing this is he, the thing he... The first thing that happened when the introduction was that if you smell and then the rock gate and you're like, are you fucking shitting me? You've been bashing WWE, all these UFC, and you've got the rock coming out with the title belt as well. And that did make me laugh because they want the entertainment. They, they hate wrestling, they say, but they use it all the time. And the rock to be there in the ring for me, like you said, it, it just felt a little bit silly on UFC's part. Anyway, in the co-headliner, middleweights Kelvin Gastelum down till they try to bounce back from recent losses. Anyway, talk about the main card. Uh, Jorge Masvidal defeated Nate Diaz via third round stoppage. The fans were so pissed off about this. Two cuts to Nate Diaz's face. Uh, nothing they can do, though. Darren Till defeated Kelvin Gastelum via split decision. That was a bit of an upset. Darren Till, though, Dan, is a scouser. And afterwards, his interview, he goes, I just want to prove all the fucking doubters wrong. Fuck yous. And I just loved it. It made me laugh. Uh, Stephen Thompson defeated Vince Luque in a fight of the night. Derek Lewis defeated Blagger Ivanov. Uh, friends with Rusev, actually, both Bulgarian fighters. Some of the shots that Blagler took were unbelievable. And Kelvin Lee with a super fucking knockout kick to Gregor Gillespie. That was the first match. Not bad, though. That was available on BT Sport. So that is UFC. Dan, we move on. We've got one thing left. And when <laughs> when do we start watching? Or when does NXT update start? Oh. So here we go. October 9th, and it's NXT. Well, we get a recap package of last week's shows, three title matches and two big returns. Then we head into full sa- the NXT arena. Mauro Ronaldo, the shit, welcomes us to the show. And he's joined by Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness for the first match. This week's championship bout. It's Leo Rush versus Drew Gulak. And the cruiserweight champ tries for the dropkick into the corner at the brush dodges and hits the Spanish fly for two. Two. Leo presses the advantage and takes Gulak out with a dive to the ramp. 
back end of the Philadelphia stretch uses his strength slash size advantage to scoop slam the challenger. He then transitions a roll-up attempt into submission. Leo breaks the hold by getting to the ramp, but he's underneath for a while. He goes to the split-screen commercial after Gulak drop kicks him off the turnbuckle in some NXT staffers at ringside. Well, Rush strikes his way back into the ring with a small screen and gets a near fall off a tilt-a-well DDT. He's landing kicks when we return to the big picture. Leo is able to land on his feet when Gulak tries to flip him, but a champ gets two, two. on a follow-up clothesline. Rush tries for the come-up, but a champ counters into the Gulak. They trade Fuck submissions. They trade submissions, but after kicking out uh. of a backslide attempt, the cruiserweight crusaders hit the ropes for the cyclone crash. But Rush ropes. Oh, surprisingly, Drew sets Rush up on the top turnbuckle and climbs, but then he loses a striking exchange there and ends up being shoved to the mat. Leo follows up with a frog splash. The final hour, the come up connects. New champ. Leo Rush defeats Drew Gulak via pinfall to become the new cruiserweight. Champ. I mean, can you believe Leo Rush is Cruiserweight Champion, Dan? You've hated him for a very long time. He didn't make the list of the five, though. The list of the most hated, but he is your Cruiserweight Champion. How he you kind de- of flew under the radar with that one, didn't he? How are you dealing with it? Um, 205 Live's irrelevant now. So, I mean, second only to Enzo Amore. He is the worst champ. Oh, and that is saying something. Well, general manager William Regal is out to strap the new champ, but Gulak climbs back in the ring. He angrily grabs the belt, and after a tense moment, the thumbs the title at Leo and gives an aggressive shape before heading out. Rush and Regal smile as the new champ celebrates. We see Kushida warming up for his showdown with Volta with Breezango. That's followed by a placage explaining why Finn Balor is the extraordinary man focused on his impressive NXT credentials. Well, back from commercial with Tegan Knox segment. This one focused on a rehabilitation from the second knee surgery. She's done with being hurt. She's back to win time. Make a statement. She'll be in action next week. She's backstage with team kick partner Dakota Kai, who faces Bianca Belair tonight. But up next, we've got Rhea Ripley going against Noof or Aaliyah. The bougie one is out with Vanessa Bourne, of course. All power moves from the former NXT UK Women's Champ is a child cr- chance. Ray is gonna kill you. Well, Aaliyah rakes the back, which only pisses the Aussie off. She gets turned inside out with a clothesline, then does a cool spinning scorpion deathlock, slamming Numph down into the hold and getting the Visions partner to tap before she can even get involved. Well, the mosh pit kid grabs a mic. Puts over NXT Women's Champ Shania Baza, but reminds the Queen of Spades. She hasn't made a nap, snap, or tap. Rhea is coming for the title. What's Everise got? We then get Breezanga versus Everise. Well, we think it is, but it's Forgotten Sons. The fashion popo have an amazing minute work entrance with Tyler Breeze, Fandango, and a pair of hotties and construction gear. The Everise boys are dragged unconscious onto the stage by Jackson Riker, and they're replaced by Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. It doesn't take long for Prince Pretty to find himself in peril as Cutler and Blake keep him in the corner and work him over, grabbing near falls with quick tags and tandem manoeuvres. He dumps Cutler and Dukes a clothesline from Blake to get the tag. Well, Dan goes in hot. He's on fire, baby. And he gets two. Two. After a falcon arrow. He brings Breeze back in for the fashion faux pas, but Cutler... Pulls Fandango off the top. He bounces back quickly, but things break down. Riker throws Breeze on the outside. Dango dives onto him, but Cutler follows. The legal sons hit the finisher, and that's it. The Forgotten Sons beat Breezango. 
Well, Keith Lee promos over a video package of his feud with Dominic Dijakovic. This is a battle for the future, and when they face off again next week, Dijakovic will have no choice but to bask in his glory. Well, Boa versus Cameron Grimes. Grimes points to the ramp. Boa and the referee look that way, and the former ex-division champ wins in seconds with his running double knee stomp. <clears throat> so Cameron Grimes there, my pick, getting uh, some more victories. Well, Grimes was pointing at Killian Dane who hits the ring as Grimes quickly bails. Boa isn't so lucky as he gets splashed, carried to and slammed onto the announce desk. Damien Priest promos over highlights of Pete Dunne and his attack of the bruiserweight. He attacked him to get more attention because he's out here only trying to live in infamy. Thanks for taking out the former NXT UK champ, the name will live forever. And Roderick Strong versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Well, this is a non-title match. North American champ gets pumped up by his undisputed era teammates in the gorilla, but comes out alone. They trade holes at the bell and Roddy talks trash at the break. They get some standing jump kick from Swerve. The near fall after a gaudy buster into a cart winning splash. Strong rolls out and gets some fire back re-entering, but ends up taking more offence from Scott. Well, Chops eventually get the North American champ enough distance to grab Swerve for a backbreaker and cover. Back and forth, but ever come back. But every comeback from Swerve, a variant from the Messiah of the Backbreaker, as we go split screen. Strong controls action during the break, but back over the right hand, some clotheslines get Swerve in the driver's feet. The rest of the area is out, but Scott doesn't fall for the distraction. He presses his advantage and gets two, two. off a DDT from the middle rope. Another flurry ends with a flatliner and a jump inside to get another two. Two. A back elbow of his own, gets the champ back in it, but he loses the battle on the apron, gets hung up in the ropes. Well, Swerve, spring ball over the top with a stomp, but Cole and the tag champ step to the ring. That gets Scott's attention and allows Roddy to hit a two running knees. End of heartache knees to a stronghold, and Swerve has to tap. Oh, my God. Well, the NXT champ grabs a microphone and gets in the ring with the undisputed. He puts over Scott as great, but not as good enough to measure up to the undisputed era. And that's why everyone from Ballard to Tommaso Ciampa sharp when they try to prove they can hang with the era. But they're just dreaming if they think they can. Did someone say dream? Well, Velveteen is on the Tron, and, and then on the elevated platform, he puts up the Shawn Michaels Playgirl S pick what he posted of himself with the belt and says in two weeks that he's he gets a chance to win the belt back. He'll prove it. It's Strong who doesn't measure up. He snaps his fingers and the belt disappears from the picture to show a very small blurred out penis with a buster sign over it. Well, Photoshop has finally come to NXT, but that's not all. Smasa Chumper is here. He stalks to the ring and the undisputed era bails as he stands out on the ramp. The Blackheart turns the chair around and sits. The man who never lost it addresses the belt. Goldie, daddy's home. He drops the mic and stares down the champ and his faction. Well, another reminder of our battle of undefeateds in the main event sends us to a break. During commercial, Kathy Kelly is waiting to get a comment from Chomper when Angel Garza shoots his shot. Tommaso shows up and Kelly rushes over, but Garza cuts off her question. He spits some trash talk en espanol and Chomper knocks him out with a short elbow. Kathy asks him what Angle said, and the former champ says, I have no idea, and walks off. Up next, Bianca Belair versus Kai, Dakota Kai, and Kai comes out fast and looks to pick up a quick win with an array of kicks, including a PK off the apron and a double stomp, but the momentum shifts when Belair catches a leaping move and drops Dakota chest first on the ring post. The EST runs through some of her tries for the cover with a one foot and a slam. Tiltwell gutbuster gets a more traditional cover, and we get a break. Well, Kai is going for a pin when we return, and she connects with a kick from all fours. 
She follows with clotheslines and a kick from the floor. A max kick, face wash cover, but only gets a two. Two. Swinging knees to the chest, still won't keep Bianca down. Both women are running on fumes, and when Dakota struggles to lift Belair, the EST hits a shoulder block. Wing throw stands. Bianca is freaking out if she can't get the job done. She eventually lifts up for the powerbomb, but Kai punches free, tries a couple of pinning attempts, tries for a running front kick, but Belair ducks under, and Farman's carry into the KOD for the victory. Well, the EST grabs a mic. She heard what Ray Ripley heard earlier, and girl, girl, uh-uh. If you want a piece of Shayna, you have to go through her. Dijakovic gets a chance to respond to Limitless. He feels like they're destined to fight forever. He's studied Keith Lee and he knows his limits and his secret. Has he got some dark secrets, has he? Keith Lee. A lot of skeletons in his closet. Well, another thin hype piece. This one mostly addressing his main roster success, including being the first ever Universal Champ. And his return to NXT. Well, Pete Dunne talks Damien Priest when he showed up in WWE. Triple H told him to make a name for himself. So he gets what Priest was doing. But he's not going to let the Archer make his name. He also doesn't know how he'll, sh- how he'll shoot arrows with broken fingers. Well, Dunne's not done. See what I did there? After his record set in UK title reign, he knew when he came to NXT he'd have to go through some people. Now he knows who he'll start with and they'll fight next week. And then it's Walter versus Kushida. The ring general ragdolls the Japanese superstar at the start and pats him on the head at the ropes. Back in, Kushida uses speed to ground Walter with kicks and spin around on his back, patting him on the head again. And Fluey puts a big Austrian on the floor and taking himself as we hit a break. Well, back at it and another kick and a flatliner sends Walter to the ropes. But Kushida slips on them when he tries for a follow-up. And Imperium's leader kicks him across the ring to take charge. Punishing offence from the bigger man, but Kushida grabs his neck and snaps a DDT to get back into things. Well, that leads to a sequence of submission counters as we head past 10pm into what apparently is a one. The pace picks up as Kushida attempts a sunset flip power on Walter to the floor, but the big man stands on his head. The Super Junior presses on, sending Walter to the apron with a rolling kick and a DDT. Walter pulls him down and throws him into barricade and we get a Kushida DDTs Walter off the edge of the ring apron to the wafer fin mats below. So what are your thoughts on Walter being here in NXT going against Kushida? I think it's good. It's um you know, it's kind of showcasing him to the NXT crowd before he actually makes the move over and it's probably gonna bring well they're gonna be like, Well, he's from NXT UK, let's go and check that out as well, you know, so it's kind of promoting him. Well, let's not forget one of the Leos has to go because both of these men are undefeated at the moment. Of course, Walter in NXT UK as champ and Kushida on NXT who has faced multiple people from different places. Apollo Crews Cruz, and, of course, Drew Gulak. And he manages to break the 10 count. Goes back in, hits a Pele kick, just kicks the back of the arm of Walter. And Kushida looking for the hoverboard lock, the submission that's put so many people away. Well, he's got it locked in. Legs around the waist of Walter. But we know how strong Walter is, but he might have to tap here. Walter just punching the midsection. Managing to get hold of Kushida. He just manages to break the submission move yet. And that's it, and it? The kick, and then turn into the sleeper. And Kushida might be going to sleep. No, somehow gets to his feet. And he reaches the rope. And Walter goes to break the arm. Kushida rolls Walter up. Could be it. Goes into the pin. So, no, Walter kicking out. Uh-huh. Got the sleeper locked in again. Kushida trying to roll through. Manages to escape it. Looking for the cross arm breaker. He's got the arm breaker. Walter's trying to keep the grasp. He's desperate. 
Well, Ward's now just grabbing a leg of Kushida. But Kushida turned it into a roll-up. Only gets a two-count. Two. And that was nearly it, then. Kushida can feel the momentum coming his way. He's put up one of the best fights against Walter. Well, Walter is rocked at the moment. Went for the shot, but Walter caught him. Modified full Nelson. Kushida goes behind. And a big kick to the back of Walter's head. Builds some momentum now, but straight into the big boot. German suplex. And now he's got him in a half. Nelson throws him into the cover. No, Kushida somehow managing to kick out. Uh, Unbelievable action here. The closing sequences of this match. Walter can't put Kushida away. Maybe question himself now. Can he do it without the help of his Imperium teammates? Well, they're nowhere to be seen at the moment. And Walter's actually checking with the referee to make sure Kushida's not out. I'm questioning Kushida's toughness. Anybody who weren't sure if the man couldn't go, he's definitely gone tonight. Walter climbing up to the top, but Kushida cutting him off. A kick to the bicep. Now Kushida and Walter fighting on the top turnbuckle. This war of attrition here at NXT. Kushida giving it all he's got, but he gets a chop across the chest. Luckily for Kushida, Walter didn't get all of it. Well, we saw him get all of it early. Kushida's still standing there, so credit to him. He's got the key lock now. Looking for the hoverboard lock. If he can get the legs wrapped around the waist of Walter. Oh, my God, he threw Walter. Got the key lock still locked in. And now the submission in. Walter in trouble. Still trying to fight out of it. And Kushida now with a boot. And Kushida stomping a knee in and just hitting away at Walter. Did Walter tap? Well, it looked like the hand was coming down then. And Kushida biting Walter's hand. And Walter managing to get his long legs to the ropes. Kushida with a running kick to the arm of Walter. He gets caught with a knife-edge chop, but Kushida just shrugs it off with multiple kicks to the forehead of Walter, who's staggered. Kushida goes back to the arm, runs the ropes, but lands on his feet after Walter pushes him off, hits him with a seated drop kick, folds Kushida up. And now Walter looking to finish Kushida with a powerbomb, hits it into the cover. One, two, three. Job done, Walter. No! no! Kushida managing to kick out. Uh, I cannot believe it. Maybe Kushida can't be beat by Walter. Maybe the number has been checked. This is awesome chance. And Kushida will not be beaten. But there you go. Shots to the face and then the clothesline. The lariat turns him inside out. One, two, three. Walter gets the job done there with an awesome clothesline. But an awesome performance by both men. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Absolutely brilliant match. Um, Kushida certainly has gone up in my estimations from being a Back to the Future rip-off to being a a viable contender for any belt in WWE now. Yeah, he's definitely bulleting that one. Walter continues his amazing undefeated streak here in WWE. All right, move on to the next episode, October 16th. 45 minutes. We get highlights from last week and other relevant previously on NXT developments. Before the Slipknot, then Mauro Nalo, Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness welcome us to Full Sail as Tommaso Ciampa arrives for his first match in seven months. Yes, and his match is against Angel Garza and the heartthrob is all smiles as he enters and the black heart stares a hole in it. Garza stays ahead of him in the early goings and offers his hand, but Ciampa kicks it away. And then Seguri sends the former champ to the outside, holding his surgically repaired neck. 
but when Angel tries to follow, it's dropped to the floor and thrown into Barricade. Garza brushes that off, however, and takes charge, capping things off with a dive to the ramp and a drop kick off the top. That gives us a good-looking luchador time to take off his trousers and throw them at Champa, but then he pisses off the wrong guy. Tommaso is up quickly with a big forearm. Running boot in the corner, then he stomps on the Mexican flag-designed pants, balls them up and throws them at him. He hits the draping DDT, he now calls Willow's Bell, and that is it. Well, them chunk of Chumper back when the Unsputed Era hits the stage. They strut down to the ring and Tommaso grabs the chair in his crutch to wait for them in the ring. Kyle Riley walks over to the announce desk and hands Mauro a USB drive. He tells the crew they might want to check that out. They surround the ring but end up waving and leaving. Ronaldo said he's going to get the drive to the production truck to see what the era's newest scheme is. We're told Finn Balor has an announcement late and we see Keith Lee in the locker room getting his mind right before his rob match tonight with Dominic Dijakovic. Well, back from the break and Mauro tells us a video on the drive has been cleared to view. Well, the Unsputed Era is backstage and Kyle O'Reilly has some breaking news. Adam Cole says they have a message and the camera pans to Roderick Strong standing over Velveteen Dream. He's been slammed into a wooden crate, breaking it. Strong says they are consequences for humiliating. He smacks the unconscious Dream and steps on his three-eyed sunglasses. O'Reilly says... We're in Danny Burch versus Imperium, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. Well, the NXT UK duo are accompanied by Alexander Wolfe, but no sign of Volta. Eichner Birch starts a crowd chant for 1-2. Lock up shoulder block. That brick gets the better of followed up by tag to Lorkin. Another quick tag, but a tandem move backfires and Birch ends up in the Imperium corner. He meets a dive for a headbutt and seems okay, but allows a tag and ends up getting kicked by both hills in the corner. Barthel from the ring and Nightler from the floor as we get the commercial. Oh, Danny's still in peril when we return. But he gets free with a jaw jack and the European uppercut to Barthel. Bringing Oni in and he's on fire, baby. The house cleaning ends with a big dive onto both Imperium members. Birch back in for a near fall. The face is set up for a double team, but Barthel saves Eichner and things break down. The German elbows Birch off the apron and follows with a dive as his Italian partner lands a double springboard moonsault. But Lorkin kicks out at two. Uh, two! Only blasts both men, but still outnumbered with Danny still recovering on the floor. A powerbomb and penalty kick sets him up for the European off the top rope while in a power position. One, two. Imperium. Well, Johnny Gagalo's NXT career is recapped in a video which reinforces that he's NXT for life. Johnny Wrestling is backstage with Kathy Kelly. She asks what his thoughts are about Chumper's return, and he said he doesn't know how he feels about it. Johnny won't know until he feels. How he feels until he sees him face to face. We see Dijakovic warming up for Lee and a quick poppy scored vignette for Io Shirai. She's in action next after a break. Yeah, she's in action against Caden Carter and wasting no time. The Mad Queen is freaking out during her entrance. Carter is a former Lacey Lane. Both women trade aerobatic offence and evasions at the start. And Carter gets the early cover sending to the floor when she's able to grab an ankle and swing Caden to the hardest part of the ring though. Well, spring from Shirai for a near fall. Carter gets a two count of her own. Two. After a sequence of kicks, but she's put down quickly with a released German suplex. Moonsault off the top, and that's a wrap. Well, Shy grabs a mic and says, Not Rhea, not Bianca, it's me. That brings out not the women's champ, Shania Bazarova, but Rhea Ripley. The mosh pit kid gets right in the ring and steps to Eo. She snatches the mic and says that. Belair ran her mouth last week, so next week she's going to shut her up. If Eo ever spits her name, I'm doing the same to her. Well, Shirai backs away but then starts cursing in Japanese. It looks like she might start something as Ripley stares her down. 
but EO rolls out and leaves. We're reminded of Kenny and Dane's attack on Boa after helping him distract the Chinese superstars lost to Cameron Grimes last Wednesday. Boa was warming up backstage and promos in his own language. He'll face Dane tonight, I guess. Kathy Kelly interviews general manager William Regal, asking about Velveteen Dream's status. Regal says Dream won't be cleared for his previously announced title shot next week or for some time beyond that. Well, Roddy will still defend the North American Championship on the 23rd. However, against the winner of Lee versus Dijakovic, and after the match, after that match is next. Well, after commercial. Well, it is Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic and a big collision early on and a shoulder block quickly puts Dijakovic down. Lee locks up the hand and lifts him up by the arm. They run the ropes and keep on the injured shoulder. He continues to target the arm, but Dijakovic hits a kick to get some space. Lee retrieves him and back in the ring gets Dijakovic in a fireman's carry. He then escapes and survives a strike in the corner to hit a cyclone kick for two. Two. They trade bombs in the centre of the ring. Dijakovic tries to get Lee up, but Keith counters. Dijakovic leaves a knee to the head to stop a suplex once, but Lee eventually hits a move for a cover. Well, Keith climbs up, but Dijakovic gets up, super kicks him. Dijakovic gets Lee on his shoulders, but Keith with a poison rana. Dominic kicks out. Uh. Lee climbs up for a follow-up, but Dijakovic catches him. He tries for a super runner from there, but Keith fights it off. They're both draped in the corner when Strong runs in and hits both men with his belt. So it ends in a no contest. Roddy celebrate when a pissed-off Regal emerges. Nice try, Sunshine, but now this match next week is triple threat. We see Pete Dunne getting a pump-on before his match later. <clears throat> then it's time for some ads. Well, during the break, they filmed the era freaking out backstage, trying to get the GM as he's walking away. Well, it is Matt Riddle versus Bronson Reed. We get a fist bump at the bell, but the bro follows up with the punch. The big Z follows up with a few of his own, and we're off and running. Broton is counted when Reed gets his knees up, and the Bronson fights back with sequence that ends with a senton of his own. Well, bro to sleep, powerbomb, and it's a final flash knee strike. Looks like it will end it, but the former Jonah Rock kicks out. Ah. Uh. Powerbomb from Reed, and that gets two. Straps are down. Reed lifts Riddle, but the bro transitions into a sleeper. A missed clothesline turns the tide, and when Bronson tries for the float over, match catches in with a bro Derek, and that ends a fun. Well, another fist bump show of respect afterwards. No follow up punches this time, though. The EST gets a hype video that reminds us she'll face Ripley next week and Tegan Knox is after our next break. We see Kushida looking at an X-frame wearing a cast. He's out for a month with a hairline fracture of his wrist. And it is Tegan Knox versus Tainara. It's a return it's all the returning superstar at first, but Tainara blasts her out of the ring with a front kick to take control. Back in the Brazilian controls the wrist and lands several strikes. Then just two, two off a running double knees in the corner. Well, Conti takes too much time to follow up at a headbutt and back elbow gets the Welsh woman back into it. Chokeslam, European and big cannonball gives the room to climb for a crossbody. Then it's a shiniest wizard and one, two, three. Tegan Knox wins by pinfall. Well, Kelly is out to interview the victor and Dakota Kai runs down to hug her friend. Before Tegan can answer how does it feel question, the champ and her cohorts are here. Baza says she, she guesses Knox wants to throw her name into the title mix, but thinks she should ask her friend Dakota how it feels to be in the ring with her. Shayna warns that Tegan is running out of limbs to reach. She can ask about a title shot when she does something worth paying attention. Damien Priest is getting ready for the main event, and Finn will deliver his message after the break. Balor's message is a pre-tape promo. He's done some reflection and says you have to look back at the path you've walked. Have you made the world a better place or have, you, or have your missteps taken him to a dark place? He's retracing his steps and next week his future 
will be his past. We get Boa versus Killian Dane. Kicks and strikes at the bell, and it's all Boa at the bell. But Dane stays on his feet until a drop kick at the ropes. The Irishman rolls out, and a pissed-off Boa follows. But they both go for a crossbody on the floor. The Chinese superstar gets the worst of it, since his ribs were injured by Dane's attack last week. All back in. Killian targets the midsection. He whips Boa into the corner. It's two. Two. Boa tries to fight back, but he eats a snap suplex. He hulks out of a rest hole, but punches... Just set up a clothesline from Dane. Sent on. They're not one, not two, but three Vader bombs. Killian adds insult to injury with an abdominal stretch. Made famous by Wilbur Schneider in the 1920s. And Boa is forced to tap. We get a quick video on new cruiserweight champ Leo Rush. And then it's the main event time as Pete Dunne enters. Dane tries to come at him from the side of the stage. They draw at one another and then Dunne grabs Killian's hand and snaps his fingers. The Bruiserweight continues to the ring. His officials check on the Irishman and walk off stage. <laughs> then we get a commercial. Don't fuck with Pete Dunne. Well, Ripley versus Belair and the North of Pet Mono... Ripley versus Belair and the North American title triple threat are confirmed for next week. So it's Pete Dunne versus Damien Priest and Priest stalks to Dunne's corner and Pete steps out as referee makes Damien... After the bell, they're both ready in a lock-up. Priest heats the leaping back elbow to take control. Pete leapfrogs a charge and wobbles the bigger man with a clothesline, then grabs the fingers and stomps the elbow. Outside, the former NXT UK champ storms Priest's fingers, stomps Priest's fingers on the steel steps. They battle on the apron. Dunn connects with a forearm but gets taken down on the hardest part of the ring. Damien throws him back in and another strike flattens Dunn as we go to the split screen. Well, the archer infamy stays job for most of the break, although Pete hits a flat line just before we return. They back to the corner and Dunn lands a superplex that leaves them both struggling to get to their feet. The bruiserweight gets the better of a striking exchange when they do and stays up one, stays one step ahead when the action speeds up. Enseguri is followed by a drop kick to the knee. Another finger stomp sends Priest outside where he's hit with a moonsault from Or well, Priest recovers while being thrown in, but not enough to avoid taking a Liger bomb for two. Two. Dunn traps hands and stomps the head, but Damien fires back with kicks on the back. Flying armbar from the Brit leads to a triangle, but Priest gets to the ropes and follows up with a kick to the head. <coughs> so Pete Dunn putting in. What do you think of Pete Dunn being used, like I said at the moment, going against someone like Damien Priest? Um, I think it's a travesty because, you know, the Pete Dunn from NXT UK is a completely different Pete Dunn. Um, I don't know, maybe starting at the bottom to work his way to the top. It's hopefully a good way for Pete Dunne to go, but hopefully he gets back up to the top. Yeah, exactly. Well, Priest sends him into the corner, goes for the uh, outside his edge, but only gets two. Two. Yeah, I think Pete Dunne needs to be treated better than this, and Priest has set his sights on Pete Dunne. But when you're Pete Dunne involved, it is going to be. Jessica Carr officiating the main event. And now what is Damien Priest going to try and do? Well, the Archer of Infamy's got done in his sights. And here he comes down, second rope. Well, springboards from the inside of the second rope over the outside, taking out Pete Dunn. Holy shit, Chant. And now Priest's going to send Dunn back in. And now Priest is looking to put Pete Dunn away. Dunn is in serious trouble right now. Here he comes. Looking for a German. Thinks it's successful. Dunn lands on his feet. And now Pete Dunn, can he take advantage going up to that second rope? Hits him with a spinning insiguri, though. Rock's done, who sat perched on the top rope. And now what's Priest going to try? Hurricane Runner! Lands it successfully. Pete Dunn rolls through. Bounced off the top rope. Huge choke slam. One, two, no. no. Dunn managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Well, the crowd definitely get into it, and this is the main event. 
of NXT, and much like last week with Kashida and Walter, they're offering you different things to try and accept here, to try and get the battle back to AEW. NXT. Because AEW are bringing it at the moment. NXT, what can they bring in? Priest and Dunn now just exchanging shots. He slaps, Dunn responds with a chop to the chest, but Priest catches him with a shot to the jaw. Pete Dunn back up to his feet, hits a flurry of elbows and slaps across the chest. But then he gets some knees to the midsection. Well, credit to Priest to keep fighting. Well, Dunn catches with a right, goes to follow up, but gets turned inside out with a clothesline. And now Priest going to look to put Dunn away. Looking for the reckoning, but Dunn blocks it. Going to go better end now. No, Damien Priest escapes it. Catches Dunn. Ripcord kick to the head. Chokeslam attempt, but Pete catches him with a step up in Seguri. And with a spinning... Uh, Priest with a spinning kick to the head. Bounce off the second rope into a forearm from Dunn. And a huge shot. Priest down. Second. He was doing all right. Well, both men down. Tremendous effort given in this one. Dunn making his way out to the top rope. And the fans can't fight forever. Moonsault, but lands on the knees. And that might have taken all the breath out of Pete Dunn's body. Can Damien Priest capitalise? And then the undefeated Priest picking up Dunn, but Dunn grabbing the fingers. Oh, Priest grabbing the throat of Dunn, traps Jess Carr in the corner. Oh. Manages to escape as she wasn't looking. A kick to the mid, a kick to the bollocks <laughs> from Priest to Dunn. And then the, the reckoning hits. No. Two, three. Oh my God. Damien Priest is beating Pete Dunn. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just glad it wasn't a clean victory, basically. You know, it's uh it's going to lead to something more between these two guys. And after that great match, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I can't believe they've sacrificed Pete Dunne to try and put over Damien Priest. Don't get me wrong, it was a great match. But Pete Dunne could wrestle a broom and have a good match with it. So we'll see what happens. We move on to our next episode, October 23rd. We get highlights of last week again. And they set the stage for this week. But we skip the slipknot from Mauro Ronaldo. Welcome off to full sail. Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix join him as a combatant in our first contest Enter the NXT arena. Yes, and that is Ra Ripley versus Bianca Belair. They circle and then go for the test of strength, which is an impressive standoff. The EST hand springs out of a float over and spears Ripley into the corner, but does an arse-slapping taunt that earns her a double leg kick to the midsection, which sends her flying. After another exchange of Blair's, Belair's power in the corner and kicks from the Aussie. Uh, lots of kicks and a big cannibal on the outside for Ripley. She throws Belair back in. Next, Raya. 619 at the apron. The ref didn't see it. Eo rolls Ripley in, but Bianca can only get two. Two. Shy back on the apron, but here's Candice Ray to take her out. In legal action, Belair goes to lift Raya, but the former UK champion reverses it and hits the Riptide to win the match. <coughs> well, from the stage, Candice applauds Raya and glares at Eo. After hype for tonight's North American title triple threat, count up with Pete Dunne as he enters the building, accompanied by Tyler, Bray, Tyler Bate. The Bruiseway isn't upset at Damien Priest, even though Tyler points out that he hit him below the belt. He did what he had to do, but there's a receipt coming. Asked about Killian Dane, Dunne says, I don't care about Killian Dane. I don't care about Killian Dane. Killian Dane's a dickhead. Tommaso Chumper gets a hype video. Talking about how he had to give up the NXT title long before he was ready to. We'll see Bate ringside for our next... 
And that is Matt Riddle versus Cameron Grimes. Well, Riddle gives Bate a fist bump on the way in. In the ring, both competitors try to end things early, but Riddle dodges and cave in, double stomp, and Grimes ducks away from the final flash knee. After that, the King of Bros wins the first lockup, taking Grimes down for a submission attempt. Run an elbow in the corner, followed by an exploded suplex, gets Riddle a near fall. He stays in control, even using a jackhammer, while the crowd chants his name the same way WWE fans once chanted Goldberg. Nothing works for Cameron until he's able to do a moonsault onto Riddle's back and transition right into a deadlift suplex with a bridge for two. Two! That takes us to commercial. Well, we come back to Riddle with strikes and a rolling kick, followed by a bro to sleep and a German for a near fall. They trade kicks and Riddle gets Grimes up, but he counters into a Urinagi for a two. Two. Grimes goes to the turnbuckles. Riddle stops Grimes and hits him with palm strikes. Suplex lands for Riddle, but that only gets two. He's frustrated and climbs for a floating broton, but Grimes gets the knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. The North Carolina brushes off a final flash and hits a spin kick. Spanish Fly gets two. Two. But the King of Bros hits another final flash, then the bro there. Well, Riddle offers a fist bump outside, but Grimes turns him down. Bait gives the King of Bros another one, which pisses Cameron off, so Tyler bops him in the face. Bop. Bop. We get a flashback to Forgotten Sons taking out Breezango's opponents, then beating Tyler Breeze and Fandango a few weeks back. There's a trios match booked for tonight, and Kushida wants... Was supposed to partner with the Fashion Police, but he's injured, so we've got a mystery partner. Well, Don- Dominic Dijakovic gets a quick promo. He promised his family he'd bring home a title six months ago. An injury forced him to break that promise, but tonight he'll defeat his greatest rival and Roger Strong to prove to be a man of his word. Well, it is Brizango and... Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Forgotten Sons. Well, the fashion police are waved onto the stage for their entrances as sexy pilots before the reveal of their partner. Breeze and Riker start and Prince Pretty is quickly overpowered. Swerve in and doesn't fare any better. Than, fare any better. Dan go in and rips off his t-shirt before attacking. His attacks don't go very well though as Steve Cutler is in. The backdrop backfires on him though and he gets swivelled and squatted on before being done. The faces stare down the hills from the ring as we get a break. Well, Breeze is being mauled by Riker and being worked on for the majority of it before he gets the hot tag to Dango. He takes out Blake and Cutler but takes them out with a suplex. Fandango makes a tag and Swerve hits a cross body. The numbers game quickly catches up to Scott who is super heroic and runnered and hit with stereo diving headbutts. The fashion popo break up the cover though. Barely. Our flatliner gets Swerve back in it. And he wins a battle with Riker in the corner. Then steps on Jackson's chest to dive onto the other two sons. Riker tries to hit a slingshot suplex. But when he comes back in. But Scott floats over and gets the tag. Tandem super kicks lead to a cover. But Blake and Cutler break it up. Well Dan go and Riker brawl and go over the top. Cutler hits Scott with a clothesline. Blake tags in. And then with a sunset flip. But Swerve rolls through. Hits a jump and kick to the back of the neck. For the one, two, three. Yeah, Breezango win. Yeah. We see Roddy warming up with his teammates. He gets an interview where he says he knows Regal's trying to screw him by putting him in there with those two goofs. But he's at his best when the spotlight is on him and he'll prove again that tonight and keep his belt. And Well, Cruiserweight champ Leo Rush enters to a big pop and Willow and Hill join the announce team for the upcoming match. We see Killian Dane outside by fire. He's tapping his fingers and said, says since Dunn tried to break them, now he'll break Dunn. Move on to our next match, Jack Gallagher versus Angel Garza. Well, Leo declines to give Mauro some bars, saying he's focused on scouting the Gaza poses and offers his hand, but when Jack extends his, Angel pull, pulls him back. Gallagher gets wrist control and forces him to shake. 
they roll through those several pinning predicaments. And when they get to the feet, Garza loosens his pants. Well, that loses Jack ripping them off when they run to the ropes. That sets Angle up for a suplex, a superkick for a near fall. The gentleman punches his way back into it, though, and lands a big delayed vertical suplex for two. Two. Jack tries for the cross arm, but we get sent to the floor to the break. Well, Jack goes to duck the dive. He thinks it's he thinks he's coming. So Garza slides and slaps him on the back. The next exchange in the ring ends with a big headbutt from Jack, but the follow-up dropkick comes up empty. Garza slams into the mat, moonsault from the top, and that is... Well, Garza motions for the belt from Rush, who put over Angle big time during the match, and Leo stands for a stare-down and some long-distance trash talk. Well, it is Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai versus Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir in a match to determine the number one contenders for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Well, Duke attacks at the bell with a head kick on Dakota and goes for a cover that gets two. Two. Kai is isolated in the hills corner immediately and this is worked over. Strikes from both. Shafir shows us some judo throws and then hits a cut buster after a tag. Duke slides in with an immediate knee and gets another two count. Two. Dakota grabs the ropes off her whip and hits a kick but can't get free for a tag. Shafir back in and taunts by stepping on the back before going for an armbar. Well, strikes to both hills eventually get Dakota free for a tag and Tegan cleans house with elbows, clotheslines and a pair of choke slams. Kick and a cannibal to Duke, then she heads up top for a crossbody that gets to two. When Marina breaks up the pin, Kai takes her out with a running boot. Duke tries to roll up, but Tegan kicks out. Ah. Headbutt and the shiniest wizard. Well, the Kabuki Warriors or the Bukaki Warriors, depending on which way you look at it. They appear on the big screen. They offer congratulations and laugh and talk some crap in Japanese. They say that next week, Team Kick has no chance. Well, it's Keith Lee's turn to promo about the main event. He finally had the opportunity he deserved since coming to NXT. Tonight, he used that to become the North American champ. And that is Roderick Strong versus Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic for the North American title. Well, Roddy hits the ring alone and we get the big match intros for each man. The champ tries to roll out early and then attempts an opportunist attack where the big men fight but gets taken out by Lee. The host fighting continues and a big chokeslam from Keith on to Dijakovic sends us some picture-in-picture commercial. Strong stays out of things during the break, back to the floor when he tries to run in when we come back. Lee and Dijakovic step up on the top, but Roddy blasts Keith to the floor, rushes to hit a superplex, but can only get two. Two. Dijakovic is jumped to the, uh, dumped to the outside shortly after we come back. Roddy receives the forearms on Lee, then Olympic slam for two. Two. DD grabs the champ's feet and Strong gets level with a grizzly magnum. I hope that's a move. The big men then end up on the floor and Roddy follows feet first. He's caught but fights his way free. The Hosses team up hitting the champ with a feast your eyes and a pounce and then they agree to go inside and finish it. Well, punches from both men before a headbutt from Lee downs Dominic. He tries to get him set up in the corner but Dijakovic slips out and super kicks it. Choke bomb off the top gets two for Dominic. Two. He then goes for a Fosby flop, missing Lee and taking out Strong. Keith follows by diving onto them both on the floor, leech back in and set up on the turnbuckle. It looks like Dijakovic is going for a Hurricane Rana, but ends up being super powerbombed to the mat. Well, Roddy slipping with a shotgun knee moments after Keith hit a super powerbomb, and it's one, two, three. Roddy Strong defends the North American title. Well, the Undisputed Era show up to help Strong celebrate. All end up taking out Lee. They're standing tall when no one will survive, hits the speakers. Chomper makes his way to the ring and stares down the evil quartet. Before anything happens, Johnny Gagano joins him. The former enemies nod to one another. And then Finn Balor is here. <coughs> so Finn Balor is here. 
And is he going to join forces with Gagano and Ciampa to take out the evil undisputed era? Well, it's still four on three, but the man who basically NXT is known for nowadays is going to team up with two of the greats in NXT. And it's on like Donkey Kong. Four on three, they won't back down. And Balo, oh! It's a Pele kick on Gagano and just stands over Gagano's strong body as the rest of the undeserving era beat down Tommaso Ciampa. And what did this mean? Has Balor joined the undisputed era? What? What? No. I mean, what? No. What's going on? Ciampa looked just as shocked. And Alan Cole just looking at Finn Balor. As the undisputed era, strong, fierce, and O'Reilly decimate Ciampa in the middle of the ring, and Adam Cole finishes it up with a last shot. As Balor just stands in the corner. And Johnny Gagano, he's shocked. A bit surprised on the outside. Finn Balor starts to jack it off. Well, we haven't seen the dark side of Finn Balor since he's been in NXT or WWE. But here he comes now. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) A running kick takes out a few spectators. And Finn Balor, has he got a tattoo on the back of his hand? Well, new look, new attitude by Finn Balor. The Unsputed Era looking on. As Gagano's trying to roll away up the entranceway. Balor hits him. He's got Gagano. Oh, shit. <laughs> An elevated DDT on the entrance ramp. And he thought, yes, Chance. Johnny Gagano. Heart and soul of NXT taken out by Finn Balor. I never thought we'd see this in NXT, Dan. What about you? Again, you know, when we first saw Finn Balor in NXT and he moved up to the main roster, I would never have ever thought that Balor would be, I would say, down here, but back up here in NXT. Mm, At the moment, he's looking down on Johnny Gagano. Is that the club, the Bullet Club, where he's... Yeah, when when Balor's doing that. Is that a sign of things to come? I think it might be. Unspeakly, we're looking on. Will he rename that, Willie? Willie. Will he rename... Willie. How did you say Willie? Willie. that, Willie. Will he rename <laughs> the Undisputed Era, the new club? No, maybe he's coming up with a new club in his mind, but shocking end to when it's something that was needed. Don't get me wrong, the rest of the action's been great, but we needed something to maybe change. And the Finn Balor Hill turn, something that we're going to be looking at closely as we move on to our next episode, October 30th. We're hoping we're a live performance from Poppy as last week's highlights play behind her. Well, the Joshi Judas enters with the band still on stage, and Io Shirai rocks out with Poppy. Who follows her to the ring to finish her performance of Scary Mask? So in our first match is Io Shai versus Candice the Ray. We don't hear Mauro Ronaldo until the bell, thank fuck. And the match opens with a slap from Io and a forearm from Candice. Lorraine chases Shirai around the ring but catches a kick to allow Io to hit a topo. But Candice returns the favour moments later. Lorraine gets the first near fall off a kick and a step up sent on. She tries to go up top though and gets caught with a vicious sound in lung blower. Eo gets a two count. Two. After another set of knees in the other corner and controls the action for the middle portion of the bout. Lorraine almost takes control almost immediately with a drop kick then a charging back elbow and a tornado DDT for two. Two. A pissed off Candice drives Eo into the corner but when she tries for an avalanche swinging net breaker, Shy pushes her down. Top right moonsault follow up but Lorraine gets her knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. More strikes as Io recovers, but she quickly gets the takedown and locks on a reverse triangle submission. Candice manages to get the foot to the bottom rope. Frustrated, Io goes for a chair under the ring when referee Jessica Carr takes it from her 
She gets rolled up, but only for two. Two. Leray goes for a moonsault, but Io moves. The ref didn't take the chair out of the ring, and she lands on it. Io Shai goes for the cover and gets the victory. Well, Shirai continues to press the attack after making the series 2-0. But here comes Ra Ripley. She runs Io off as Ronaldo reminds us about tonight's Undisputed Era versus Riddle and Lee match. Then Finn Balor gets a video package recapping his various interviews over the past week. He'll be here next. A reminder that Damien Priest pinned Pete Dunne after a low blow two weeks ago. We learn that they'll have a rematch next week. Well, Balor arrives in full and full sail is on their feet. He's out to his regular music, slowly making his way to the ring amidst a mixed reaction. He says it's funny how things change. Two months ago, he was laying down for a guy who the hottest thing in the business just because he put on a mask. Well, he just took off the mask and now he's the hottest thing in the business. Well, everybody's got their opinions. The fans, the office, the locker room, Twitter tough guys. The problem with this business, there are too many people backstage who should be in the stands. He doesn't watch this business. The business watches him. About Johnny Gargano, he heard he got out of the hospital. Well, if he steps to Finn, he'll send him back. And then he won't be Johnny wrestling. He'll be Johnny watches wrestling just the way it should be. Now that is a response for Finn Balor. Are you pleased you're going to see a hill Finn Balor in WWE now? I am absolutely creaming my corn. Well, we get a hype video for the Women's Tag Team Championship match, and that takes us to commercial. Yes, and it is uh, up next, Shane Fawn versus Bronson Reed. Or Fawn, gone. And Fawn's got a leather and fur half coat look going. Reed is rocking a red and black look. Well, he comes quick with a pair of kicks and a cannibal right lapel. A fourth move runs into a clothesline low and a senton puts Shane down. Reed lifts him up for an exchange of chops. They eventually slow and Bronson puts Fawn down with a forearm, but the former Mighty member comes back with a suplex and kicks. He goes to the corner for a running kick, but Reed catches it and follows with a reverse suplex and a backpack pile driver. One, two, no. Straps are down and Bronson climbs. But Fawn catches him with an integuri. He tries to run, but Reed throws him down and follows with a huge splash for the one, two, three. Well, Kathy Kelly interviews the challenges for the women's tag team title backstage. Dakota Kai talks about hard work and they put, they've put in to come back together from the injuries. Tegan Knox says they talked about tag belts for a long time. She can't wait to win them tonight with her best friend. Well, we get a Mia Yim video where she says she's the Rose who grew from concrete. And now it's the Kabuki Warriors versus Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai for the W Women's Championship. So we've got lots of men's tag team titles, the AEW and NXT UK. Now we're going to focus on WWE's women's tag team titles. They've not really been used right since the inception, Dan, have they, you know? Absolutely not, no. And uh, uh, hopefully it picks up a bit of traction with them being represented across all brands now. Yeah, I mean, that makes the most sense, doesn't it? You know, they can come to NXT. I mean, even though there's not a lot of women's tag team you can still come to NXT and NXT UK and maybe have a go. And it's great to see Oscar back here in NXT as well, isn't it, you know? Absolutely. And uh, just a reminder, she still is undefeated in NXT. Yeah, she's been away, she, 500, was it, 500 plus days. And of course, the success Kari Sane had in NXT as uh, Women's Champion, coming back a completely different character now. Well, you know, it's funny how she returns to NXT as Io Shirai is a hill, and she's a hill. Yeah, well, all three women here we've seen tonight, can they be as successful as Io Shirai? But Hill Kari's saying we weren't sure if it's going to work, and I think she's doing quite a good job at the moment. With Oscar, she's always got that cocky attitude. And we see Tegan Knox, the Welsh Wizard in there. Of course, Dakota Kai and the apron, both women suffering serious injuries with Tegan Knox, Mr. May Young Classic, two years in a row. Two. Of course, Kari Sane making it all the way 
to the final. Kai comes in, takes Oscar on the outside. These two women don't seem intimidated at the moment. And they both baseball slide through the ring, but their opponents move out of the way and catch him with huge forearms. Insane. Just sending Dakota Kai into the stairs. And he was right when Oscar's back in NXT, just a level of confidence that she's got. And at the moment, looks like the Kabuki Warriors are trying to work on Tegan Knox, who gets a tag now finally to Dakota Kai. Can they double-team Oscar into the corner with a forearm? And again, elbow. Knocks her down. This is nice tag team moves. Oh, like a upside-down cannonball. Into the cover, but Oscar managing to kick out uh-huh. as Kari Sane was making her way in to save her partner. Oh, Kai and Knox have been friends for years, so they got that over what Oscar and Sane have. There's no doubt maybe Oscar and Sane are more talented. But a huge kick by Kai might have it. No, Oscar again. Trolled up at two. Two. It's not often we've seen Oscar in an NXT ring in this much trouble. Oscar catching the leg on the way in and uh, like a leg whip to Dakota Kai. And then a huge butt bump knocks her to the uh, barricade. And both Knox and Kai have got proper braces on their knees as well. well for Degan Knox, it is proper reconstructive surgery. So it's for two years in a row, torn ACL. And with Dakota Kai, she made some traction. She's been around, of course, competing in May Young Classic herself. But this is taking up a level. If you've got any sign of weakness, Oscar is going to sniff it out. And that is Oscar at her best. Looking at Tegan Knox as she kicks the Dakota Kai in the face. Just a flurry of kicks. And Oscar very wisely working on the legs. Dakota Kai is in a lot of trouble now. As Tegan Knox tries to cheer on her partner. But I don't know how much that's going to do against a woman like Oscar. And Kai now just desperate. What a huge opportunity in front of them. If she can just get away from Oscar at the moment. Oscar like a pit bull. And now the ankle lock in as well. Well team Keir can't really do much kicking at the moment. Apart from kicking out. Oh. And now insecurity attempt. Oscar dodges it. And there was your chance. Oscar's not letting it go again. Well, the pirate princess march into the opposite corner. Frustrating her opponent as she charges towards Kai with a sliding D. And that might be it if she goes for the cover. But no, Kai manages to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Said that. Said same. <clears throat> and Oscar in again. Just to cut Kai from a corner. <clears throat> And Oscar Kai saying been dominating Dakota Kai a long time. But now, finally, a bit of separation. We're going to see a hot tag here. Well, she's going to have to crawl to the opposite corner because I don't think her legs are working after the Bukaki Warriors have just been working over them for the majority of this match. But she's shown a hard determination of a true warrior champion. And she scratches and claws her way, manages to get a tag to her partner. Oscar's in. But Knox is on fire, baby. Tegan's on fire. Just picking up Sane, throwing her down. Charging towards Oscar in the corner. Running back elbow. Going from corner to corner, taking out the Bukaki Warriors. Irish whips Sane into Oscar, but Sane reverses it. Sends Kai into Oscar. Sends Knox into Oscar, sorry. And then follows it up, but Knox moves out the way. Drops them both to the mat. Oscar's back to her feet. As Knox comes off the top with a flying crossbody into a cover, but no, only a two count. Two. Tegan Knox can't believe it there. She's trying to seize momentum. Trying to pick up a win over Oscar. It's about as easy as trying to find a dodo. And now she's going to look for the shiniest wizard. Oscar, Oscar scouts the leg. <laughs> Got the knee bar locked in on that surgically repaired right knee. The fans say to Tegan, you better tap. She might not have the choice. 
Well, it's worth tapping to save her career. But Knox is trying to fight out. She's back to her feet. But she gets a cross arm breaker on Oscar. And Oscar in serious trouble now. Squirming around, trying to escape from it. And the same there with a kick stopping Tegan. <clears throat> but she walks into a kick from Kai. And Kai now with a kick to Oscar. But Oscar. Oscar had it scouted and German suplexes Kai. Oh, but Tegan knocks with a super kick. And now all four women are down. Great exchange there. Absolutely brilliant. All four women showing that they've definitely still got it. Well, Dakota Kai is ready for a tag off knock. She gets it. Comes charging in straight towards Oscar. And just starts unloading with the lefts and rights. Elevated knee to the chest. Comes charging in towards the corner around the ref with a running boot. And Kai picking Oscar on her shoulders. But oh! Hits her with the miss. And a huge knockout kick. And Oscar taking out Tegan Knox on the apron. Tags in Kari Sane. Up top for the, the insane elbow. One, two, three. Covers the face as she gets the cover. Fucking hell, that's a face fall. Well, Oscar had a mouthful there. She spat it all over Dakota Kai. But the Kabuki Warriors win again and becoming a dominant tag team. Apart from their loss to Natalia and Charlotte and Raw, of course. But still, Dan, what are your thoughts on this match? I thought it was a very entertaining match. I think uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox certainly put up more of a fight than I would have expected them to. But they were still impressive nonetheless. Oscar and her use of the mist. Does she even need to use it? I mean, I thought Oscar was talented enough without having to use that green goo. Yeah, but still, I think it's a... So another weapon to her uh, uh, inventory, isn't it, that she can use now. And uh, the Kabuki Warriors are still NXT UK Women's Champion. Le Champion! Oh, sorry, wrong promotion. <laughs> I'm surprised she hasn't got a chest. Now, wait a minute. Well, things are about to go from bad to worse to Team Kick because Shayna Baszler, the submission machine, is out here. With her cohorts in tow, Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. Well, they're always going to take advantage of a three-on-two situation. Situation. And Dakota Kai does actually look like the Hulk at the moment, <laughs> so you wouldn't want to make her angry. Or Kermit. That'd be even worse. Hey, ho. Yoda. Very wise losing, I am. The Grinch. Hi. Oh, <laughs> uh, Baszler now. It's going to be Tegan Knox three-on-one. Well, she comes charging straight towards Shayna Baszler. But Duke and Shafir immediately cut her off after she gets in a couple of strikes to the women's champ. And Baszler with a step up in Seguri, just taking knocks out. And they throw uh, Dakota Kai outside the ring. <clears throat> She's looking to send a message to the arm of Team Kick. She's trying to break the arm of Tegan Knox. Well, Ray Ripley's coming down to make the save. Well, Ripley's been calling out Baszler these past few weeks. Now maybe the rip tide will change. I thought she had a fucking skinhead for a second then. I said, cool, that's a drastic change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the three of them just went out of the ring. I think Shafir, Duke and uh, Tegan Knox all fell out of the ring there in the back shot, but... Oh! It's Io Shirai attacking Raya Ripley from behind. Ripley manages to fight back, though. Oh, Ripley says she shouldn't say her name and oh! Bianca Belair comes down to help Io Shirai. Well, the EST of NXT. They're both putting the punches in the boots and now the locker room's emptying. Well, here comes Candice LeRae. Her problems with Io Shirai. But she gets stopped in her tracks by Belair. 
who gets stopped in her tracks by Ray Ripley, who stops Duke and Shafir in their tracks and just stares down the women's champ, who retreats when she realises that Ray Ripley's head was turned towards her so she couldn't get a sneak attack in. And Baszler now saying to her, come on, bring it. Middle of the ring right now. The fans chant for Rhea. They're both dressed quite similar as well, aren't they? But only one of them, James, looks like Pete Dunn. What do you, you say that? Ray Ripley is trying to look a bit like Pete Dunn. Yeah. And now Bianca Belair coming in. And Io Shirai in a numbers game. But Candice trying to help. So Duke and Shafir. What the fuck happened to Team, team Kick? Well, oh. talk about Team Kick. Dakota Kai trying to get back into the ring. And this is an all-out melee. Well, how are you going to stop this? The referees now. Referees, trainers, EMTs all down trying to break this up. And the women's division has just exploded here in NXT. Wait, Regal, Mr. Regal, sorry, the general manager. He's saying to get them apart. Well, there's only one answer to this mayhem. And that is War Games. What? Oh! What? No! So we're going to have war games with Baszler's team versus a face team. You're kidding. Oh, Weagle is pissed off. So the first ever women's war games match is going to take place. Unbelievable stuff, Danny. Shocked by that news. I am shocked. I know how much you love women and to see them locked inside war games is going to be something that we've never seen before. No escape. (laughs) That's a bit creepy, but... Okay. <laughs> so Tyler Bate versus Cameron Grimes in our next match. And look, you instead of Grimes' usual cave-in attempt at the spell. Bate with a first takedown, but it's not long until Cameron gets one of his own. As we get some UK-style chain wrestling. We transition to a sprint. And Tyler gets the best of that. An airplane spinning to a drop kick sends Grimes to the outside. But before Bate can follow with a dive, Cameron recovers and racing to grab him with his swinging net breaker. Both men are down as we go to a break. Well, when we return, Tyler is looking for a European off the top, but Grimes is ready. He thwarts that and pops over for a bridging suplex for two. Two. After a bit more offence, the North Carolinian goes for some digit manipulation. Bate muscles out of that, but is taken down with an armbar. He fights back and eventually hits the diving European to get back on the offence. Exploder suplex and a running shooting press gets a near fall. Grimes recovers and gets Tyler up in an electric chair and looks to spin into a power slam, but Bate counters into Hurricane Rana for two. Two. Tyler tries for the rebound, Larry, but Cameron flies and hits collision course for another two. Two. He can't believe Bate kicked out. Uh. And that gives the British a chance to recover. He hits the rebound, Larry, at the time and gets a near full. Back and forth ends in a toe pay for Tyler. He throws Grimes in, but before he can follow up, Killian Dane appears ringside. The distraction costs Bate, who finally enters to a cave-in, and Cameron Grimes gets the victory. My man, Cammy G. Well, Grimes exits the scene, but Dane swoops in. After a cannonball into the steel steps, Killian yells in Bate's face to tell Pete Dunne they have unfinished business. Matt Riddle and Keith Lee are getting ready for the main event by chopping each other backstage. Fun. Well, Angel Garza gets a video package where he talks about being inspired by his un- un- uncle Hector. And wanting accomplishments and teach the world about the Gaza dynasty. Kathy Kelly informs us Ripley and Basler have been named captains for their War Games match. And the women's locker room is buzzing. Our main event is Keith Lee and Matt Riddle versus the Undisputed Era. Kyler Riley and Bobby Fish. Well, the champs are out sans teammates for this non-title clash. And it's all Lee at the start. And Fish and O'Reilly head outside to regroup. But the bro is there to break that up. Fish is a legal man and goes back in 
to the clothesline and after a tag, the face take turns chopping the champs. Grizzly Magnum and a spear sends Carl to the floor and a jackhammer on Fish gets us two as we go to split screen. Once O'Reilly is back in, he regains control for his side with an axe kick and he strikes, setting up a small drop for two. Two. Deadlift Powerbomb gets Keith free to make the tag and now it's Riddle who cleans house. Explode the suplex. Broton German, but dang it, the rest of the Undisputed Era are here. I've never been more happy to see the rest of the Undisputed Era. Well, Riddle kicks free, but he's sent to the apron where Adam Cole hits him with a kick. Floor, so the whole and the whole era is there. So the bro dives onto them. He sends fish to the in the ring, and follows to hit a ripcord knee. On the floor, Keith pounces Cole into a strong and into strong and a very cool looking spot. Fish gets free from a powerbomb setup, and with the ref checking on what's happening outside, he slips free in a total elimination. The undisputed era defeat Matt Riddle and Keith Lee via pinfall. The era swarms on their defeated foe, but here comes Tommaso Ciampa. He sends Adam Cole over the top, throws his crutch at O'Reilly, then hits him with a running knee. Riddle and Lee end up throwing Kyle onto his mates. The faces stand in the ring, and Ciampa goes to pick up the belt, but pauses. He says, Goldie, you're going to have to wait. Daddy's going to war. Throws the mic at the era. Cole snatches the belt and looks confused, and that's the show. So we move on to our last episode of NXT, November 26th. After footage of the OC's November the sixth, after the footage of the OC's beatdown on Spute Era outside Full Sail Live is shown AJ Styles and the Good Brothers roll into arena. AJ says, So this is NXT, huh? Since Adam Cole and company invaded Raw, they decided to return the favour. Since all the brand's champions are laid up, they're taken over. And it's not just phenomenal. It's undisputed. Well, that brings out NXT's daddy, Tommaso Ciampa, who says for years he was asked when he'll go to Raw SmackDown, but he's here to welcome Styles, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows to the main roster. Ciampa is fine if Yossi want to come here and kick the ear his ass, but if you think they're taking over, this is daddy's home and he's got a problem with that. AJ said he admires the Blackheart for having the balls stand up to them, but they're not worried about him alone. Matt Riddle and Keith Lee join him on stage and Ciampa says it looks like they have plenty of balls. I like the fact that Chump was calling himself Daddy. Daddy's here. Well, they're ready for Survivor Series, but there's also tonight. Tommaso suggests a trio's main event, and AJ accepts. Well, Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix recap that and set up the history that led us to a first match. And that is Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest. They circle each other at the bell and quickly try for big moves and their finishers. Both men are wise to the manoeuvres. They stare at each other down as we get commercials and a split screen. It's all Archer of Infamy during the break and Priest does the deal for a near fall as soon as we come back. He continues to press the advantage with strikes but Dunn's usual finger work keeps him from locking in a few holds. That creates an opening for the bruiserweight to hit the X-Plex to get back in the driver's seat. Well, he presses the advantage, lands on his feet during a comeback German attempt and hitting the moonsault from the post to the floor. Back in the ring, a big powerbomb gets two. Two. And Priest slips free from a bitter end, claps Dunn's ears and hits a step-up dive when Pete rolls out. After that, we get another break. No split screen this time. The trainer strikes in the middle of the ring and we return and kicks put both men down. Well, Priest up first, but he takes a headbutt before firing back. The next near fall goes to the archer after a crucifix bomb. He goes for his bullseye taunt, which allows Dunn to grab the hand. They back into the corner and pin the referee, which allows Pete a chance to return the favour and hit Priest in the family jewels. Damien tried first to be fair. He grabs the arm, snaps the fingers and ties the series. Yeah, so Dunn beating Damien Priest then. It's good to see. Finally getting the job. 
Dunn. I don't want to make that joke, but... Pete Dunn. So, Tide Series 1 also. Like I said, there's going to be a future for these two men. <clears throat> we see the Kurt Carl. We have an offer a match with Shane Basler. <clears throat> oh, wait a minute. Killian Dane's in the ring. And he's coming to attack Pete Dunn what happened last week. It's already cost Tyler Bate a match. Well, Priest. I thought he was going to start <laughs> on uh, Killian Dane, but pulls Dane off. But Dane responds with a headbutt to the chest, knocking Priest out of the ring and turns his attention back to Pete Dunne. And now Dunne in all sorts of trouble after a hellacious match with Priest. Slams Dunne in the corner. Goes up. Vader bomb. And Dane destroys Dunne. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it is good to see that Killian Dane is finally getting spotlight. You know, he's uh, he is a beast of a man. And seeing him going against Pete Dunne will certainly be a challenge for Dunne. Oh, Priest attacking Killian Dane. Triple. And Dane sending Priest into the stairs. And Dane has been a destructive path. He's not finished. Cannonball. On the still st- Jesus. Well, Dane sends a message not only to Pete Dunne, but the entire NXT roster. Well, we see Dakota Kai warming up for a match with Shania Basler when Kathy Kelly approaches to ask about the War Games match and the picks and the social media follow-up. She said it's true she was scared of Basler before, but she's not anymore. It should prove it and she'll prove she belongs on Ray Ripley's team when she wins tonight. Well, it is Tainara versus Santana Garrett, and this is Indy and NYC vet Garrett's first TV appearance since signing, I believe. The announcers are putting out this over as an audition for spots on Team Basler or Team Ripley. Well, the Brazilian Jaduco goes for an early armbar but almost gets rolled up. So Hanley goes for a cover off a couple of arm jogs and a leg sweep. But takes a running knee to the face seconds later when they run the ropes. More kicks in the corner from Tanara and she covers for two. Two. She tries for the rings of Saturn after some more takedowns but Garrett gets three. Lamps on strikes to set up a handspring back elbow. That's followed by Cartwell elbow for two. Two. She tries for a handspring moonsault, but Tanara face. She grabs the arm and pulls Santana into the front kick and gets the pin. Well, we get a hype video for Tony Nice, who's here tonight looking for a shot at Leo Rush's Cruiserweight title. Then we see Basler training backstage with Jessica, and I want to say Mary. Well, after some ads, Anger Garza gets a video package. He faces Nice later in a number cannon match. We get a rundown of Survivor Series tri-band matches as well. And it is Shayna Baszler versus Dakota Kai. Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir escort Shayna to the ring and stay in her corner. With smiling and laughing in Kai's face as she backs her into the corner. But the Kiwi isn't having any of it. She shoves her out. She shoves her way out. Pie faces Baszler and disrespect, disrespectfully kicks her when the champ covers up. Well, punches get mixed in as she tries to take her down and they reach their feet, but it's a headbutt from Kai that eventually gets her free. After a little more back and forth, she hits the face wash. That leaves both women down low. Dakota tries to go for the GTK, but a kick from Basler lets her get a submission in, but not fully. Kai backs up, but not for long. Kirifudu clutch locks in now on the front kick counter and changes Shakur's Dakota's arm with a leg to keep her from the reaching the ropes, and Dakota Kai has to submit. Well, Duke and Shafir help the champ attack in the aftermath and that brings out all the announced members of Team Ripley and Team Basler for a brawl. Mia Yim runs in last, swinging a kendo stick on the hills. She runs them off and checks on Kai, then poses in the ring with her, Rhea, Candice, LeRae, Tegan, Knox. We get a recap of last Friday's NXT TakeOver Smackdown and Monday's Invasion of Raw. Kelly catches up with Chomper. 
Riddle and Lee backstage. She wants to know if you found a fourth for their War Games team, which she don't even know was official. He says, we'll know when we need to know. Tonight, they left the door open for the OC, and they're going to win a battle in the war tonight. We get a hype piece for Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Nigel says he's facing Dominic Dijakovic, but I didn't catch when. Tony Nese versus Anger Garza. The winner gets a cruiserweight title match with Leo Rush. He'll stand off in the early scramble with Tony complaining about Anger grabbing his hair. Nese uses his power for a takedown, then poses. Garza takes him down with head scissors and stops things to lose his pants, but Tony cuts him off to the chagrin of the crowd. Well, we get Garza with forearms when we return from the break, but Nese grabs the hair. It doesn't help, and he sends Tony crashing to the floor with a swinging dropkick and follows up with a leap of faith moonsault. Back in a back. Backbreaker gets two. Two. He gets Tony to his feet, but taunts too much. Pump handle slam from Nice gets another two. Two. And then he goes for another, but Anger reverses into a lung blower. He climbs and hits him with a jumping slap to the face. The Premier athlete with Fleury kicks low the ropes and then a tilt world DDT on the floor. He climbs, hit the 450 from the top, and is that it? No. Garza got a toll on the ropes. Well, it's time to stri- trade strikes, kicks, and chops. Nifty powerbomb sequence ends with Nice on the receiving end and gets covered. They dance for a few more moves. Then Garza hits the wing clipper and gestures for a belt. So there we go. Anger Garza defeated Tony Nice, and the new normal contender is backing up the ramp when the champ arrives on stage. He offers his hand and gets slapped in the face. Their match is next week. Well, Kathy catches up with Ra Ripley and her squad and asks if she's decided on a fourth. She names Mia Yim, who is excited. She was raised in the streets and ready for this. At TakeOver, they're collecting bodies. The captain tells Dakota Kai she's sorry, but she just didn't cut it. Kai says she understands, but is obviously upset and rushes off. Raya says this is her team. Well, we get a rundown of the two War Games matches. The Unspeaked Deer versus Chumpa Lee Riddle and to be announced is official. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Dominic Dijakovic is up next. Earlier flurry by Swerve, but Dijakovic's power allows him to take charge pretty quickly. The bigger man shows off with a few moves off the ropes too. Got down. The comeback leads to an impressive release suplex and a DDT in the corner. That nets two. Two. He perches on the top for a follow-up, but a high kick crutches Scott. He goes for feast your eyes, but Swerve counters with a roll-up. Well, he looks to press his advantage, but eventually takes a big boot. A choke bomb gets a near fall, and Djokovic is shocked he didn't get free. They talk trash as DD goes for another choke bomb, but Swerve slips free and turns it into a double stomp on the apron and a huge clothesline for two. He lines up a kick but gets goozled again. He punches free and trades huge moves. Swerve tries to cartwheel to hit Djakovic when he's down but rolls into the feast. Your eyes. We get a video for the... for the for <coughs> We get a video for Forgotten Sons and some news about next week. In addition to the Cruiserweight title match, we'll have a ladder match between Io Shirai and Mim for the advantage in war games. So the main event is Yossi OC versus Tomasa Chumma, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. Team NXT jumps on the apron after the Fiends play and we brawl. The bars are even rung and they're fighting in and around the ring. When order is restored, it's AJ and Tomasa to officially start us off. Style drop kicks Chumper out the ring, but Riddle saves him for the springboard follow-up. This allows Blackheart to hit Widow's bell when the US champ tries to re-enter, which allows him to tag Lee. AJ slips away after a chop block to take in, to take in Luke Gallows. Doc finds out that he can't shoulder block the limitless one down. He dares leave for another and gets pounced to the floor. He ends up bringing in Carl Anderson, who lands a kick but ends up flattened by a crossbody as we do the pip ad gimmick. Oh, picture in picture. Well, the Royal Hills take down the isolated Blackheart while we're on the small screen. He clears out the OC's corner, but Spinebuster for the machine gun keeps him from reaching Riddle for a tag. 
Well, Gallows in heat and gets dumped over the top, but pulls Lee from the apron before Chomper can get his wits about him. Anderson back in and leaps from the second rope into a high knee. Finally, it's nearly bro time. Chomper looking for the hot tag and the fans want it. Here comes Riddle and he's on fire, baby. I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. Huge kick to Styles. Huge kick to Anderson. Took Gallows off the apron. Nips up to his feet. Goes back towards Styles. It bro a suplex. A bro forearm in the corner. bro su a suplex to Anderson. Broton. to AJ and to Anderson. Well, we talked about it earlier as Riddle's just going off. A bro did, kick to AJ. Did you ever think you'd see AJ Styles in NXT? Now we're finally oh, seeing never. it. <laughs> We've seen a lot of things on the podcast we never thought we'd see here today. A bro knee. A bro to sleep on AJ Styles. A bro German suplex. Going for the cover. But that gets broken up by Gallows. And Gallows now taking Keith Lee out with a kick. Looking for the magic killer. But Chomper's back in. Big boot to Anderson. Throws him to the outside. Uppercut from Gallows. Runs into a scoop slam. He, despite the elbow, still manages to <laughs> power Gallows up. Slam him down. Styles charging towards Lee with a lovely tornado DDT. Sends him out the ring. And now it's Styles and Matt Riddle. And now Matt Riddle and a go behind him. Trying to German, but Styles lands on his feet. Hits a step up in Seguri. Oh, brain buster suplex. One, two, no. That didn't work on Matt Riddle because he has no brain. Well, he managed to kick out. Oh, oh unfortunately. Styles looking on with his OCT members. A match we never thought we'd see is now happening on NXT as Riddle sends AJ into the corner. Styles gets a foot up, hits him with a huge forearm, looking for the phenomenal one. Springboard's off the top. Riddle ducks underneath. Keith Lee with a shoulder block. That takes out the referee as well. well. The bounce. <laughs> Keith Lee is a machine and I don't think he's finished yet. Lee looks like he's going to go flying. Oh. But Anderson stops him. He gets taken over the top rope with a clothesline. Now here comes Matt Riddle. What's he going to do? Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> he fucked up. Well, he got him and then he killed himself in the process. He caught the top rope, hit the edge of the ring apron. Chomper in with a knee to the jaw of Styles. Oh, wait a minute, Chomper going for the fairy tale ending. But Balor's music. What's going on? Johnny Gagano's not out, but it is the fifth anniversary of Finn Balor in NXT. And the distraction allows AJ Styles to hit a Pele kick but on what's, Chomper. What's he turns his on? attention to Riddle. Plants him with an elevated DDT. What side's he on? Look, AJ's smirking. No, he hasn't got a cigarette on his gob. He's got a smile on his face. Because maybe, just maybe, he's enticed Finn to the dark side. As he puts up the two sweet Balor, the Bullet Club fingers. And it looks like they're, on, they're in cahoots, Dan. Looks like Styles and Balor in cahoots. Styles clash. Set up, but Cole in with a super kick. And Adam Cole representing NXT. Styles representing WWE. Balor, we don't know what side he's on. Well, the last shot to Tommaso Ciampa. And then the man of the moment, Adam Cole looking on to Finn Balor. And Finn Balor playing it there. And Dan, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on NXT? I'll tell you what, this actually 
leaves me hooked. I want to watch more. I want to know what's going on with Finn Balor. I know you're not the biggest fan of his, but you can't tell me this ain't fucking intriguing. Without a shadow of a and doubt. How the f- where does the Velveteen Dream fit into this, James? <laughs> I mean, the dream! So, in everything you've seen today, like, I mean, what are your thoughts on it see this month? It's, it's been good. I don't think it's been great, but I think the women's division has really shone this month. Absolutely, yeah. And um, NXT certainly has picked up a lot of pace as well. It's it's starting to, you know, just power itself up and it's definitely doing something to compete with AEW. Yeah. I shit you not. Well, that, that, we'll talk about that right now. We're we'll talking about ratings. And one week on, after going up against Gay 7 of the World Series, AEW Dynamite and TNT and WWE NXT and USA Network rebounded in viewership this week. Well, according to uh, Brian Alves of the Wrestling Observer, Dynamite averaged 822,000 views during its two-hour show Wednesday after doing 759 viewers last week, while NXT jumped significantly from 580,000 viewers last week to 813,000 viewers this week. Wow, well, this marks the sixth week in which AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT have gone head-to-head on Wednesday nights, and AEW has now won the ratings battle each time. Although this week was by far the narrowest gap to date, and you can see the end intriguing. I can see why people would watch it. But if it makes NXT put on a great show, puts AEW put on a great show, it is great for professional wrestling. That's what we've shown you here. And it's all about fun as well. And we talk about moments we had, like Joey Ryan with Ken Shamrock and also Orange Cassidy and Pac. It's just fun time at the moment for wrestling. What have we got next episode, Dan? For the first time ever on the WNR podcast, we have an AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. Full gear plus news and Survivor Series. 1999. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And uh, I just can't wait for it. But don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, what was your, actually, before we do all the, the, the things like that, what was your favourite thing this uh, this episode, so to speak? I think all this NXT stuff that's going on with the, um, you know, you've got the OC, is Balor going to be with them? You've got the Undisputed Era, team of Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gagano, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle. You know, is it going to be a... Three team war games match. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be fucking epic. Yeah, it's interesting with Survivor's war games. Do you think that will contradict themselves though if the Undisputed Era are in war games and then also at Survivor's as well? Will that kind of convolute if it's against different teams? No, you know, we've seen it kind of happen and Undisputed Era, not they are one of the big things in the WWE as a whole, so why not use them to their biggest advantage? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It'd be interesting times, but I think every, every at the moment there's so much wrestling on choice. There's so much uh, kind of good wrestling as well, so much entertaining stuff that you can watch. Not just you know, don't have to pay for it. It can just be on Sky or see it on YouTube as well. Just clips. It's great. But don't forget, talk about all social media. You can follow us on Twitter at WWNetReview or at WWE. I'm at John underscore Roland. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at Dublin Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at Dublin Podcast there as well. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can f- come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review Podcast, although that's going to change very soon. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDowell. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNR Podcast. All the latest clips on there. Podcasts got at the same time on YouTube. There are places like SoundCloud. On your phone. And it's Freaker Radio. We've got our live show this weekend. We'll be live for TakeOver and, of course, Survivor Series as well. And Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. You'd think after 252 episodes it would start kicking in by now. 
Anyway, don't forget, like I said, next week for the first time ever, AEW full gear. But until then, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>